What's going on guys, my name is Albanero and welcome to episode 102 of the Midnight Hour. It's also the second episode that we've had this week. If that doesn't deserve a like, a retweet, a favorite, a repost, a comment and you sending me money in PayPal, then I don't really know what is. We opened with the Ace of Spades by Motorhead and keen-eared listeners will notice that there was something very wrong with the version that was played and that is that every single instrument was out of tempo or no out of tune so um that has a lot to do with my guest on this episode um it's basically it's this guy Pluffnub. he's a youtuber i've been subscribed to him for over a year i think and um this guy's channel is so funny so obviously that will be linked in the description but what he does is he takes classic songs and butchers them and um, just to give you an example, right, the, the, the way that I actually found this guy's channel was uh, this song, Africa by Toto, which is obviously like a classic song. Uh, so he uploaded a version of this where the vocals are one step out of key and off beat. So just, just, just listen to how stressful this is when you actually hear it. Just, just give this a listen. how painful is that to listen to it's like there's just something not being fulfilled there it's it's not quite nails on a chalkboard it's more like you're looking at something that just is not the way it should be um you know you know like that meme you only had one job where like the toilet seat the part that you sit on is installed on top of the lid and it's just the most frustrating thing to look at that's what this guy's channel is like to listen to so listen to this this is the eye of the tiger by survivor except every single vocal note is in the key of e just just give this a listen back on the street did my time It is just painful, uh, but it's unbelievable. Like this guy's channel has given me like a newfound sort of understanding of how music works. And it's really interesting because that level of deconstruction and basically bastardization has sort of fed into me thinking like, geez, every single thing in a song is actually really important. I've spoken about music several times on the podcast. Most people will know that I'm a huge music fan, but I am basically illiterate when it comes to music. I have no idea how music is created. I have friends who are musicians, and sometimes I sit in on them writing a song, and I just have no idea what they're doing. Um, I've seen my friend write a song and try and find the right note, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what are you doing? Why are you making that noise? Why are you constantly singing like, uh, like just, just sing the fucking song. I don't understand why this is a thing that anyone has to do. Um, and that just says, you know, how little I understand about the actual, the technical side of music. I'm a really good listener of music, but a terrible creator of it. And True Pluffnob's channel, I actually have like learned to understand a little bit better, um, how music is created and, and just everything that goes into a song and stuff like that. So, um, it's a super cool channel and I think it is one of the funniest 
YouTube channels that I've ever seen. Like, I, I think he deserves hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Um, so check out his channel. I like honestly just go to his channel, click the videos tab, and scroll down. Like, if you're looking for one thing in particular that you should watch, I'd say watch his review of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon album and watch his review of Michael Jackson's Thriller because those are two hilarious videos. And I think. Uh, anyone who loved my top five tweets series and my April Fools videos and stuff like that, I think that you should definitely check out um, these two videos by Pluffnub because the sense of humor is almost exactly the same, and I absolutely love it. So I reached out to him. I asked him if he wanted to appear on the podcast, and he said that he would. And uh, we had, obviously, as you can see from the length, a really long conversation, but it was really good. It was like talking to an old friend, honestly. Um, one of the one of the most relaxed and chilled episodes of this podcast so far, and I really enjoyed it. Now, the second thing I want to mention is the title of this episode is Noise Pollution. And um, again, keen-eared listeners will know that I wanted to start a separate series called Noise Pollution that was about music. So... Um, let's call this episode zero of noise pollution. This will be the prototype and depending on how this episode goes down I will venture into further, you know musical exploratory type episodes because that's something that I'm really passionate about But previously when I talk about it, there's like not that much of an appetite for it So we'll see how this goes if you guys enjoy this episode, then I'd say uh, you can look forward to me um, making some other music orientated episodes because uh, this one is quite heavy on music and um, that's not to say that we only talk about music it's a really long conversation it springs off into multiple tangents and, and ramblings and things like that and uh, you know it's just really uh, a proper old-school podcast and uh, I think that you guys will really like it we talk about like YouTube what it is to be a youtuber how you manage your audience and things like that uh, as well as like a little bit on net neutrality a lot about going to live gigs and and um, just a lot of talk about music I suppose so yeah strap yourselves in it's a it's it's a really really fun discussion I think and uh, I hope you guys will enjoy it check out all of Pluffnub's links they will be in the description namely his uh, his twitch his Twitter and his YouTube channel which I would just recommend going and checking out uh, even before you actually listen to the episode just for the context of, of how like hilarious this channel is but anyways um, that's that. I will leave you back to the Ace of Spades for a short period of time. And if you need to go and listen to the proper version of Ace of Spades, having heard the, you know, bastardized version, I understand. That's totally fine. Anyways, enjoy the discussion and, uh, yeah, interact. Feel free to interact with it in some way. You can check out the subreddit. You can leave comments and all that stuff. All right. Peace. power in the verse can stop me. Alright, I'm joined today by Pluffnub from YouTube. Uh, Pluffnub, how, how did you get that name? But firstly, thanks for coming on the show, and secondly, how oh, did you get that yeah, name? Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no problem. So, the name Pluffnub, where does that originate from? Uh, yeah, I've actually been asked that a few times before, because uh, I did a live stream, and like a lot of people are asking me that, and Literally, the answer I give is always so disappointing just because of the fact that uh, this channel, it was just something I made when I was just really bored one night. So yeah. it's literally, yeah, so it's literally, uh, I just sat there and it's like, I always have like a couple go-to just joke names that I would go to like for, with like, with friends or something like that. And uh, 
I was like, well, I don't want to do one of those because I don't want any of my friends to find out that I'm doing this. So I just literally sat there and just typed in the first thing that came to mind, and that was it. No and way. <laughs> that That is literally the story. You know, I'm actually, I'm going to be honest, I don't even really like the name that much, but it's just the thing that's stuck now at this point. But, yeah, that's the short answer right there. I just made it up on the spot, so. It's actually quite a funny name. Like, in a weird way, I feel like it's perfectly fitting of your channel, but I don't know if I would think that if it was any <laughs> other name as well. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you see a person and you're like, Oh, his name is Craig. It would be really weird if his name was Dennis or something. Yeah, yeah. no, it's huge me because like it's just so like ridiculous sounding. Like it doesn't really mean anything, but it sounds like it should. So I know like that's something people have been saying lately. It's just like a if there's a version that's just like messed up, it's called like pluff nubbing something or whatever, which sounds like <laughs> sounds like that could be a term, I guess. But I didn't intend it to be that way, but. Hey, I'm happy with uh, how it turned out, I guess, in the end. That actually sounds like a great way of describing what your channel does. It's like, it's classic songs, but they're pluff-nubbed. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So, um, how, like, why did you start doing this? Um, I guess I, I will have already described your channel to my listeners and probably played some audio samples, but um, yeah. I discovered your channel from the Africa um, by Toto, where <laughs> all the vocals are one step out of key and offbeat. And yeah. like, it is something that I could only describe as stressful to listen to. <laughs> like, you get some kind of like heightened, I don't know, like your fight or flight like responses are kicking <laughs> in. Like, it's just stressful to listen to. I, I never actually truly appreciated things like melody and music until I listened to this and i was like oh my god I, there's so much to unpack there that i never even knew before so how on earth did you come up with that idea uh it's a that's a good question because i've always uh found like took uh great joy in just like messing up with like songs and stuff like that just like but particularly just like with the vocals like that's how it was kind of started just like vocals always half step out of key and then uh down the road i eventually just ended up just doing other things but that was only what i was doing at first but uh yeah there's a uh there's a program a music program out there called guitar pro where it's just pretty much like it plays just midi music and it's just like people make songs like well-known songs and that's usually how i learn it and like it's tabbed out and you can listen to it and everything like that oh, okay. so um yeah so there was this one uh this is like the particular moment that gets me laughing anyways so there's this one iron maiden song uh uh, the evil that men do, I think it was, and somebody tabbed out the vocal track to it too. So like you can play the whole thing out like MIDI instruments tabbed, whatever, and you can change the tunings of them. So I took the vocal track and I just tuned it half step down, and I don't even really know why I wanted to do it, but it just see what it would sound like because it, yeah, I thought it'd be funny. And then just hearing like the melody of the vocals playing over top of the, this music that's all in standard tuning. And then the vocals be half stepped down, just hearing how off it sounded. Like it just cracked me up so much. I remember my <laughs> Yeah, like my dad, he was just sitting there in the other room, just like looking at me because he couldn't really hear what was going on. And I was just like killing myself laughing at this. And it's just like honestly, I wish like I ha like I did that like two years ago. Actually maybe even longer. And I wish I came up with the channel idea then, but I didn't actually think on doing that with songs until I think it was like a year and a half ago now at this point. Yeah. But um, yeah. So the first one, it was a uh, "Take on Me" by Aha, and I don't even know why I picked that one. I think it was just the first song that came to mind. 
first popular 80s song I could think of. Yeah. And then I just did it. And then I did it at like 3 a.m. So I was already sleep deprived already. <laughs> and uh, yeah, see, that seems to be a recurring theme at this point. Uh, so yeah, I'd made it at three in the morning and I was just sitting there in my room with my headphones on listening to this kind of just grinning, uh, to myself like an idiot. And I'm just like, I can't be the only one that finds this funny. I gotta like upload it to something. And, uh, so I actually made like the video with the, uh, the cover art and everything. And then I put it up on YouTube and then that was just, you know, where I got the name and everything. I just, it was just a quick thing, really. I just threw it up there. I made a fake channel just to throw this one video up there. That was the intention. I only wanted it to be one video. Yeah. And then uh, after I did that, I think I uh, I put it on Reddit. I put it on, like, three different subreddits. I don't even remember what they were anymore. Oh, wow. But then, yeah, and then I went to sleep. And then I woke up the next morning, and I had three subscribers and two comments of people asking me. It's like, man, make more of these. And I was just like, okay. And then I started making more. And then, yeah, I've been on the that grind ever since. Yeah, and what a journey it is. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, I've been subbed to you since the... Well, since I saw the Africa one by Toto. I, I don't know what exactly... I don't know if... Because that, that has like 650,000 views or something now. Yeah, it's the most popular one. <laughs> yeah, like when I discovered that, I, I it was definitely under a hundred thousand. Um, hmm. So I, I don't know when that would have been, but I guess like sometime in the last year and a half or so. Something um, like that, yeah. But I hadn't heard that song for years and years. So hmm. when I first clicked on it, I, I don't know what possessed me. I, I think the reason I clicked <laughs> on it was because I wasn't sure what it sounded like anyway, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna see what this is like. And I actually couldn't tell the difference for. Like a good few seconds, like probably a shameful amount of seconds, but yeah. then it got to the chorus, and I was like, "It's always, <laughs> yeah." I mean, because, it's always the chorus. Yeah, it's the most, it's the most recognizable part, obviously. But I was listening to it, and I was just like freaking out, <laughs> and so I was like, "This is hilarious," but this is also incredibly annoying and frustrating in ways that I've never actually been able to articulate before. Like, it's just, yeah, it's it's like those, you know, the you only had one job meme. Where, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> where things are just broken because they're broken. Like it's like that. Listening to it, it's absolutely insane. Um, oh, well, I always love hearing people's first uh, impressions of it because there's videos out there of people reacting to that one. That one in particular too. And yeah, like I said, it always just makes me laugh to myself. Just just watching other people laugh at it, man. It just the fact that I see people laughing at something that I'm like had a hand in making, like, you know, maybe 10%, but even still, just the fact that like I uploaded it and then seeing other people laugh at it, it's just like, oh, that is like, it's such a cool thing to see, honestly. It yeah. warms my, warms my black little heart. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a comment that you've pinned to that track that <laughs> I would like to read. <laughs> it's from a user called. I already know which one you're talking about. <laughs> this is the greatest comment that I've ever seen. And, um, I, like, I've made some troll videos myself in the past. Yeah. And it is so good to read comments where the person doesn't understand what's happening. Oh, so, it is the best. <laughs> this comment says. With all due respect, to massacre a song is beyond plagiarism. It is intellectual destruction, and shame on YouTube to allow this type of bullshit is a bad reflection to the integrity of intellectual property. <laughs> so that, that's like so a I, crown, basically. Like, that's an award oh, I know. that you've won. Like, do you know that uh, one comment that's turned into a meme? Like, a paragraph-long uh, comment that somebody posted about Rick and Morty? 
Yeah, it's like where the, it's you the, have to, to be, be fair. You have you, to have a high IQ or something. Yeah, like you that. have to be really smart to understand this yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, it's that comment that you just read. That's almost turned into like that meme, just kind of amongst like this small circle here. Because I like I check my comments like daily, and I see people posting that on other videos all the time. And oh, really? Love, That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, so I didn't mean for the guy to get roasted that badly. Yeah. Because yeah. that. That, I actually kind of felt bad for it because I checked out his channel afterwards and they're like, there's this one video of him, uh, I think he was a, a piano player and he's just jamming along with like a guitar player and it's like, you know, they sound actually like pretty good, I'd say. And then I see like the like-dislike ratio and so many people went on his channel and disliked his video and people were making <laughs> comments. I'm just like, no, I didn't mean for this to happen. That's so <laughs> is, funny. Yeah, it's like, this is not what was supposed to go down. It's like... I don't know, a part of me finds it hilarious, but at the same time, I'm just like, uh, that's not what I'm about. I didn't want that, but yeah, it's, it is what it is now. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's a consequence of the type of community that you've cultivated, I suppose. Because I've been yeah. looking at, like, um, your videos, like, obviously over the last while, but <laughs> there was just the way the comments come in and the way everyone is definitely, like, singing from the same sheet. Um, yeah, it's so like th there's um, that video you have of it's Green Day wake me up when September ends, but I think it's yeah. like a it's a key or something down, so it's a little bit sadder sounding even. Um, <laughs> yeah. and the comments on that like just there's one guy that says it, it sounds more depressing than it already was, but then <laughs> the next comment says American idiot. <laughs> I just love that. Like, and then another person says, "I do love Grande," and another person sounds like my bipolar depression. Or another person who says that one cunt with a guitar who thinks he can sing. And then another comment: "This is what gave Billy Joe's dad cancer." <laughs> yeah, there's something like when I like when I post like a really ridiculous tweet and people just go along with the joke, it's like the most satisfying thing ever. And when I look in your oh, comment it. section, it's like the antidote to the frustrating like <laughs> sensation when you, when you like listen to the music, it's so funny. Like just everyone's just, all right guys, it's time that we go and act like this is the most serious thing ever. And Oh, I know. I love it so much. I check my comments on a daily basis. I think at this point, uh, I've checked every single comment that's had, like has been posted on a video at some point. Because I check it all the time because I love these comments so much. Or like, uh, there's a, a small, like a very small series of videos I make where it's just like called the, the Guantanamo Bay version. <laughs> where it's just like, uh, I think the the most notable example. Do you know Funky Town? Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, where literally like it goes through like the first little bit of the song like normal. And then when it gets to the chorus, like, the, won't you take me to... Funky Town, and I, I just repeat that part over and over oh, again no. for like 10 minutes. It's stuff like that, where it's just like, make it repeat and then call it the Guantanamo Bay version, where it's like, that's something I actually got from the comment sections, because I've seen a lot of people comment stuff like that, where it's just like, I bet this is like uh, what they use for torture methods in like Guantanamo Bay and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, I absolutely love the comment section. That's actually the reason why I keep on well, not the only reason why I keep on doing these, but I love just doing them just to watch the reactions. Yeah, that's like definitely. The, that's, that is like the best part for me. Yeah, when you have like a sort of community that understands exactly what you're trying to do, or, or like even if they don't understand it, but they're still just along for the ride, it makes uploading like a hundred times easier, I think. Oh, don't even get me started. It makes it so much nicer. Yeah, Cause I, yeah cause, well, I've been making a YouTube video since like 2007. 
And oh, this is like, yeah, and this is like the first time I've actually gotten people commenting on stuff like that, so it makes it feel so much more rewarding. Yeah, well, like your channel is going places. It's, you, I think you hit ten thousand subscribers at the start of this year, and uh, you've basically doubled it already. I think so. Well, I know more it. or less. You're on like seventeen thousand, which is almost double in the space of a year, which is pretty good going. Yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> I loved your uh, your ten thousand subscriber video. <laughs> Where you said <laughs> 10 million subscribers. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Um, yeah, oh, I was going to ask you, actually. You did an album yeah. review of uh, the Pink Floyd um, Dark Side of the Moon album, mm -hmm. which was yeah. fantastic. Very accurate. Oh, um, well, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, completely it. like a thorough album review. Um, <laughs> this, like, with the, this completely different album and then Dark Side of the Moon superimposed onto the cover. <laughs> it was so good. Um, but I, um, I was wondering, like, what gave you the idea to do that? Like, I, I get obviously like your entire channel is sort of geared towards that exact level of like trolling and sort of, yeah. um, comedic sarcasm. But, um, have you, like when you were actually doing the review, I definitely could relate to the things that you were saying. I was like, yeah, I've seen people give reviews like that before. Um, mm -hmm. I was wondering, like, was there something that you had in mind when you were doing that, or were you just like, I'm going to make a complete piss take uh, album with you? <laughs> um, that's actually a good question, because uh, usually whenever I'm working or something like that, like, I'm always doing, like, uh, something very monotonous. Uh, but uh, that's usually where, like, the best ideas hit me, or it's like whenever I uh, have, like, lunch break at work or something like that, I'll literally just sit there with my phone out, and I'll just, like, jot ideas down. Yeah. So, yeah, so one night... Uh, for some reason, just the uh, the brain train was rolling, I guess. So I just sat there and I wrote out like 15 video ideas just like in a 20 minute time span. So uh, I think that was one of them. And like the first one I did was uh, Thriller by Michael Jackson. Yeah, for some that, reason, that was great. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of just uh, make it to get this sm uh, slight build up for it and like be like, you know what? No, do this whole uh, montage of me listening to it, writing all these notes and whatnot, and then just end it, which is like, yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then for Dark Side of the Moon, like, uh, I think it was actually uh, on the Michael Jackson one where somebody made a comment where it's just like, I'm parodying uh, uh, music reviewers. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, maybe I could go in like a little more depth in these sort of things. So for, yeah, Dark Side of the Moon, uh, I... Honestly, I've never listened to that album before, which <laughs> <laughs> to this day, like, I still haven't listened to the album before. I plan on it someday soon because now I feel like it's obligatory. But, uh, yeah, I still haven't listened to that album. So I'm just like, oh, okay. So uh, I find just the whole idea of uh, music uh, reviewers, like, on YouTube, it's really I, – I don't like the word review for that because it seems like – uh, it's more opinion than actual yes. like analyzing it like on a musical level so pretty much i just wanted to just straight up just yeah i guess just do the old uh trolley twist on things where it's just kind of like give just straight opinions but totally make them contradict themselves by saying just like yeah it wasn't very good but the songs were classics or something like that so <laughs> yeah yeah like i, I I definitely agree with what you said about using the word review. Like, I mm -hmm. my channel has like more or less turned into a review channel recently, 
And yeah. I say constantly in the videos, like, this is not actually a review. This is a reaction. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, yeah. I don't understand the the nuances of like or, or any of the techniques or how this thing is made. I know what I like, and I can speak to that. But I, I can't talk yeah. about like. Oh, which which this you know synth fills the space created by the like I don't know <laughs> anything like that like um I I just I've seen so many people do album reviews like the like your Pink Floyd one except they're taking themselves mm. seriously and yeah. I I can't really get behind it it's like I feel like you have to have so much either confidence or cluelessness to be able to <laughs> go out there and and call what you're doing um. A review, right? So, like, I, oh, I yeah. recently did a, a review of Noel Gallagher's latest album, um, mm -hmm. and I honestly, I, there, there's like a video version of it. If any of the, if anyone wants to go see it, um, it's on my channel. But I felt horrible the whole way through it. Like, I felt like <laughs> I don't like. I wouldn't take me seriously if I like. This is purely opinion based. This isn't a review. I don't know anything yeah. about like the music itself. I just know that I like it. It sounds nice. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I feel like it's just when I see people do stuff like that, I'm almost like this is not fair to anyone who's actually trained in the art of, you know, listening oh, yeah. to music or like anyone who knows anything about music is going to see me talk about this album and think, wow, that guy hasn't got a clue what he's talking about. But yeah. I don't know. What can you do when people ask for it? You kind of have to talk about it. It's really weird. Well, I hate the fact that you uh, these days, well, I guess I'm not even these days, just in general, but you'd always have to tell people it's like, oh, this is my opinions. This isn't fact. But for some reason, if you don't tell people that they don't really get it, yeah. they think they like it, it's like a strange thing with the whole YouTube reviewers uh, sort of thing anyways, because it's just kind of like if you're not like a professional from like, you know, some sort of website, like well-known website or magazine or whatever, then it's just like if you're an amateur reviewer, let's say, you're never or rarely, like 90% of the time, you're not going to review something that you don't like because it's just like why would you even bother? Obviously, people want to talk about things they do like. So if you're an amateur YouTuber and you make a review and someone's going to watch it, it's obvious that you're going to say it's a good album. That's pretty much it because, again, why would you talk about something that you don't like, right? Yeah, exactly. It's It's ultimately like... If you are subscribed to a YouTube music reviewer who isn't actually like trained in journalism or music or anything like that, I feel like you're kind of just doing it to confirm that all of your opinions are correct. You know what I mean? Oh, like, exactly. If, oh, like, yeah. if you love an album, you're going to seek out other people who love it. And if it's someone that claims to have the authority to give it a stamp of approval from like a technical point of view, you're going to be like, yes, this guy knows what he's talking about because he says the thing that I think is true. And that's yeah. kind of where we're at with like reviews and things like that. Now there's no like general consensus anymore. Like we do have Metacritic scores and that's really important, but you mm -hmm. can say something like Blink-182's album California was great. It was a really good return to form. And like, it's not true, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like critically it, it got a mixed reception, but like yeah. you can find so many people that think, yeah, it's a great album. And you could just stand behind that and say, yeah, this is, this is a fantastic piece of work. So, um, it's, it's really weird. And I like, I, I've, most of my views recently have come from me reviewing the show 13 reasons why. And again, mm. I, I have no idea about what it is to film something or write a script or whatever, like all I can comment on are the things that I think are good. I'm like I'm basically reacting to the story. It's it's like mm -hmm. everyone is like a wrestling fan or something now when it comes to like reviewing things. It's just a really strange kind of 
era for like that style of journalism i think so oh yeah um, because we're on it like we have so many platforms these days where it's like anybody can be a critic yeah so i yeah so i i like to uh, uh these days like whenever i make a video with me in it and i get somebody who's like a little bit too analytical about certain things like if i make a mistake or something like that i always like the uh something i've heard david bowie say before where it's just plain and simple just fuck critics because literally, even I find if you are trained and, like, you're a journalist and, like, you know how to review music, quote-unquote, properly, it's, like, I feel like there is still, like, some bias in there because, it's like, you're just one guy still analyzing a piece of music. Because, like, even if you go on, like, uh, well, I know, like, Wikipedia, if you check out an album, they have, like, you know, the ratings and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, like, sometimes you can see things even fluctuate on there, even on albums that I think are total masterpieces. So it's just, like... Even though it's just like, you, like they're, again, yeah, again, class, like trained at it, it's like there's still got to be a little bit of opinion thrown in there, right? So yeah, and there's also the kind of aspect of, um, like I, I watch a lot of uh, Anthony Fantano's videos. You know, the Needle Drop. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, I think he has a really noticeable blind spot when it comes to guitar music and. Sometimes he, like, I, I think when he reviews a hip-hop album, I listen to that review and I usually think he's, even if I don't agree with him, I usually think it's fair enough that he comes to the conclusions that he does. But <clears throat> he has been sort of coerced into talking about guitar music because so many people ask him for it. And he yeah. he reviewed, um he did a really quick review on one of the Gaslight Anthems albums and... I felt like he could not have been more wrong with what he said. Like, I felt like it was just a really lazy, like, he said something like, oh, it's just more Springsteen references and classic movie quotes and stuff. And, like, it wasn't. It was, like, their one album where they didn't do any of that. And yeah. um, I, I just, that is sort of the result of having free reign on what you talk about, even if you don't know anything about it. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah. th that's what ends up happening. And it's kind of a shame, but I guess... It is what it is. Like, it's no one's fault, really. But, mm -hmm. um, well, I can totally relate to what you're saying, though, about his, uh, like, him saying an album that you like, he doesn't like. Because even the, the, in my, uh, Pink Floyd review there, uh, the original vinyl that I held up, uh, The Raven That Refused to Sing by Stephen Wilson. Yeah. I watched him, I watched him do a review of that album. And that album, it's like, you know, it's like a real prog rock album with, like, jazz fusion mixed in there. And I think it's a masterpiece, and most people, like, usually think it is. And he was saying how he doesn't like it, and, like, I forget his exact reasoning because I didn't watch the whole thing. I was more or less reading the comments telling or uh, watching people telling him how he's wrong about something. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but, again, though, it's just, like, it's his opinion. But, again, when it has the word review in there, people, like, take it as, like, uh, unmistakable facts almost. Yeah. Even though, at the end of the day, it's just, like, it's got to be opinion. And I even at one point, uh, I have a second channel where I used to post kind of song reviews. I don't know if you've ever seen those before. If you haven't, that makes me like really relieved because I don't, th <laughs> I don't think they're good at all. I think I like, saw, I think I saw one of them uh, a long time ago, but I didn't, I didn't really take it in. It was like, it was, was that, did you used to use video game footage or? No, you've seen one. No. <laughs> I'm not happy with this. <laughs> Do you want to no. stop? Do you need me to stop? I'll stop recording if you need to. No, no, it's totally cool. No, I'll, I'll ramble about how much I don't like those videos. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, because, oh, man. Uh, 
So I remember that was a big thing at the time because, yeah, uh, I would always just find a song that was considered really bad and I would just I wouldn't even write a script and I would po always put it like I'd put a disclaimer at the beginning of the videos and whatnot and then uh, just say it's like, you know, this is my opinion. Nothing I say is fact. And, you know, most of it's for comedic reasons and blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, I'd pretty much uh, when was this? This would have been like a year year and a half ago and like when those uh commentary channels are really big where it's just like people analyzing a video with like uh just some sort of game footage or something played over top of it because uh honestly that was a point where i was just like okay well how can i get views i guess yeah which yeah. is usually not what i'm about i usually don't like doing it for views but at that point i was just like well you know i'm tired of working the job i'm working right now what can I do, like where I may actually be able to monetize something? Yeah, I may can tell you. This into a real thing. Yeah, anyone so, who has a YouTube channel has at least attempted that at some point. Yeah, like, there's no shame. Like I, I've definitely done that with my channel before as well. So it is what it yeah. is. Well, it's also just like an experimentation too. Yeah, like, totally. It's like you just want to try different things, especially like uh, I've been doing like the uh, song butcherings for so long. It's just like, well, you know, I've always wanted to be able to put myself out there, so it's just like. At that point, I don't think I showed my face on camera or anything like that. So I was just like, I really didn't want to do it with like the gameplay footage over top of it because then it would make it seem like a Leafy is here clone, which is something I definitely did not want. Yeah. yeah. And I got so many comparisons, but pretty much, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how that one went about because I didn't even write a script or anything. I would literally just press the record button and then just ramble for like a half hour and then kind of just cut out. The parts that I thought were the best and then uh, after watching them back like I don't know a couple months down the road after I stopped you uh, doing them I can't even watch them anymore <laughs> that's how much uh, I don't like yeah it. I, I've yeah. taken I, I, I have done that exact thing um, I, I yeah. don't think I ever did like song reviews but I've done videos on like issues <laughs> or whatever yeah um, with well, gameplay and they're no longer on the internet so <laughs> <laughs> well I think we've all done that at some point again just trying new things but uh yeah, like I said, since I didn't write a script, there's like zero flow or consistency to the videos. It's pretty much just me rambling. And since it's so on the spot, like my intention was for it to be funny. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but you can't force humor. So it's just like literally it was kind of a I would get angry and then I would try and like make myself sound angry as like a comedic uh, comedic supplement. So and then after a while, I'm just like, OK, well, I'm just getting rambly and I'm just sounding angry about everything i'm talking about they're not even funny really and it's like i've had people uh comment on my channel before it's like hey man where'd your uh song reviews go and all that it's like i thought they were really good and i was like well i don't know because people have told me like you know it reminds them too much of like a leafy's here or pyro cynical or something like that and i'm just like i don't really want to be in that group because yeah. i know they don't have the the best rep out there so uh I was like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to do that, and it's just like it wasn't fun for me to do, and just like, and they would always tell me, it's like, oh man, I thought you like made good points and stuff like that, and I'm just like, really, really, and it's like, yeah, and these days I still see, sometimes a comment pops up on one of them, and I'm like, I'm baffled at how that can happen because I've taken them <laughs> off, like I made them unlisted, so like, uh, if you make them private, you can watch them yourself, but you can't read comments, so I just made it unlisted so people can't see it. But I can still read comments if I ever just kind of want to go on like a small nostalgia trip and see what people are thinking at that time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, sometimes I'll randomly get a comment on one of those videos. And I'm just like, 
how are you seeing this? Where on <laughs> like what year old Reddit post did you find? Yeah, that's, I'm so like worried that. that that might happen to me. Um, I, yeah. I've I've left them as unlisted because like to some people they do actually hold those videos dear and like that's fair enough. Yeah. But I would hate if like new people stumbled across them. And that's, <laughs> it's actually the reason why I started this podcast was because yeah. I used to do like um, I used to play FIFA, you know, the football game. Um, oh yeah. yeah. And I basically would play one or two matches on it and talk while I played. And these videos mm-hmm. ranged anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour. Um, yeah. And I, I, I just completely fell out of love with the game itself. Um, mm-hmm. But people were still like, oh, we want to know your opinions on stuff. So yeah. um, I made that sound as if all of my listeners get together collectively and say, we want this. Um, but, you know, I, I could tell the appetite. Do. Yeah, <laughs> so I could tell the appetite was there. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do a podcast instead. So like, that's how mm. this spawns. So maybe in the future, that could be something that you'd consider doing if people are interested in your opinions, like outside of the wacky videos and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, it I've, would be pretty good, I've... I think. Yeah, well, it's like I've uh, contemplated on doing podcasts before, so I must say I really applaud you for actually ending up doing a podcast and, like, getting as many out there as you have been because I don't think I have it in me. <laughs> it's You say that, right? But you told yeah. me before we started recording that you basically bulk make your videos in the one day, and, like, yeah. that is a serious grind. Like, that that's the one aspect of YouTube that I could never actually maintain myself. Yeah. Um, I reckon I, I... There was a time where I was a full-time YouTuber. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I left my YouTube channel. I abandoned it while I was at the height of, like, my, you know, kind of career in that aspect. And yeah. had I kept going, there's no reason it wouldn't be a career for me now. But honestly, just... The grind, I just, I just couldn't do it. I wasn't enjoying it. I just, it, I procrastinate too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, I couldn't well, do it. But well, that's half the reason why I do grind and make videos in bulk nowadays, just because of the fact that I do procrastinate a lot. Yeah. So it's just like if I can sit down and just make like you know fifteen to twenty videos like one day a month, like really just dedicate myself to that. And then it's just like, all right, cool, now I got a month off. And then I'll usually schedule them to uh, go up like one every two days or something like that. So if I actually get the motivation to film like a live action video of some sort, like one of the videos with me in it, then I can just upload that in between without the pressure of like, you know, will I have an upload the next day or what should I make the next time or anything like that. So it's like, I think a lot of it is just kind of trying to find a routine that works for you, which is... Which is tough considering the fact that I do shift work and it's not consistent whatsoever. So again, it's kind of just, yeah, it's scheduling, I guess. Especially because like I do, uh, I just started uh, this year, maybe actually maybe just a few months ago, uh, some online entrepreneurial stuff. Oh, uh, cool. outside, yeah, outside of YouTube because with the whole uh, the YouTube adpocalypse, which is a term I really don't like using, but I think yeah. everyone knows what that is at this point. Yeah, uh, let's actually it, it get is, into that after because yeah. I, I do want to ask you a couple of things about that. But yeah, yeah, yeah so, sure thing. Um, no, but after hearing like you know a lot of big YouTubers like you know they're saying it's like you know guys out there with like a million subscribers saying it's like oh I'm launching a Patreon or something like that, and it's just like I've done like calculations. I got like a uh, Chrome extensions that give like video stats on the side of every video. It's like, you know, how many subscribers did they get this day? How many views do they get on average? How many subscribers and views per month do they get? What's their ad revenue, stuff like that, or estimated ad revenue? So I'm seeing those numbers. And then again, these guys who get like, you know, 
3 million views a month or something like that saying it's like, oh, you know, we need to start a Patreon or we got to start, you know, like selling more merch or, you know, really pushing other uh, like avenues of like revenue for them. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, just seeing that, I'm just kind of like, well, at this level I'm at right now, I guess I joined the game a little too late because at this point, like uh, I've been around for like a year and a half and like, you know, I think it was like the start of this year when that really took off and ads started getting pulled from this. So I'm just like, all right, well, the potential of this turning into a legitimate career has like decreased by like a hundred. So it's probably not going to work. So I've started doing just some other online entrepreneurial stuff on the side. So I can do YouTube as a hobby and still like, you know, because I do enjoy doing it a lot. So that's why I keep on doing it because I'm definitely not making any money off of this. But it's like what will get me in a position where it's like I can make money, not have to work a job and still do YouTube and then just seem like, you know, Trying to accomplish what I'm accomplishing right now is the, the the step in the right direction, I guess. Yeah, the the ad apocalypse thing to to use that term is really disheartening. Um, even like I'm under no illusions as to the power of my channel. I don't make a whole hmm. lot of money, and that's not even really the issue to me. The issue is that they deem my videos unsuitable for advertisers before yeah, they even listen to them. Like yeah. I uploaded a video earlier on today. It's not gone live yet, but it's episode 101 of this podcast. And it it literally Mm. just says the midnight hour 101, the future of journalism. And it's unsuitable for advertisers before it's even finished processing. Like, how have they decided that? I don't, it it, it blows my mind. I've got another video called vlogging in Indonesia where, Mm -hmm. I know it's, it's Indonesia vlog, something like that. It's when I was in Indonesia, in Indonesia and funnily enough did a vlog and that's unsuitable yeah. for advertisers. Like, what the hell? Like, I don't... Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, it's absolutely baffling. Um, you must the only... you must run into trouble with copyright protection, I assume. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, I thought that might Plenty. happen. Yeah, because, well, at the uh, very start, uh, maybe, like, within my first three months or something like that, I, I ran into, like, a lot of copyright problems. Because, like, these days I get, uh, like, ID claims and stuff like that, which are harmless. Yeah. It's just like, you know, the record labels who own these songs, they make money off of the views I get. And it's like, you know, that's fine. No problem. Um, but before that, my uh, my channel was like eligible for monetization. It's permanently disabled now, by the way. So any chance of me making any money at all is dead. Jeez, so, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They hit me hard. So there was a point where it was uh, monetizable. And uh, yeah, I uploaded some videos and I figured out, uh, like, I did what I do to them, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I used to add the music video along with the song, too. Oh, and, yeah, that's a big yeah, no-no, so, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. So at the time, uh, I uploaded, I think it was, what was it? It was Staying Alive by the Bee Gees and Careless Whisper. And then, yeah, I uploaded those, like, back-to-back. And then I found out, I thought it was just like, oh, they're blocked worldwide, but, you know, you're not in trouble or anything like that. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. And then I checked my channel standing, and then it said I had two copyright strikes. They didn't even notify me. So I'm just like, all right, thanks, YouTube. So, and then, yeah, if I had one more, the whole channel would have been gone. My monetization was disabled, and it's still disabled to this day. So um, at that point, I was just like, okay, well, how can I make this okay? Like, what can I change to get them, you know, take these strikes away and, like, remove the... Uh, possibility of getting any more because it had good momentum at the very beginning yeah so i yeah i didn't want to lose it so it's just like okay well what can i do to put me on good standing 
So one of the things I read was, oh, upload original content that you can totally monetize. And then, you know, it's a it's a push in the right direction to get you like, you know, back where you want to be. So I stopped doing what I'm doing right now completely. And if you weren't around during this part, I'd be even more grateful for this <laughs> because I started doing Let's Plays by myself and they are I don't think they're good. I've had people tell me, it's like, oh, yeah, you're not bad at it. But I'm just like, I don't know, I watch myself and I'm just like, I just sit there and ramble. Like, there's no real, again, no flow to it, nothing. It's just like me sitting there rambling. And then I think at that point I had like maybe a thousand subs or something like that. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. And when I would upload a video, I would just kind of like step away from YouTube. And then like an hour later, I'd go on it just to see what people think of it. And there's not even 10 views on the video. I'm just like, okay, something's gone wrong here. <laughs> yeah, that's so disheartening when that happens. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, I think when when it comes to, like, um, I can totally relate to mm -hmm. the way that you're not comfortable with your videos from the past. Like, oh, I'm the exact oh, yes. same way. It, it's, it's, it's really important to, like, not view yourself as though you are your own editor or something like that. But it's, <laughs> I don't know, it's a, like I used to want to be a writer and yeah. I swear to fucking Christ, I cannot read. <laughs> I've written a lot of stuff and they're all in some file, some folder on a hard drive and I will never go in there. I, I would need to be having a really, really dark day to go and read like some of the stuff that I've written. And like, it's awful. It's just so, I don't know what that is, what that compulsion is, but it takes me back to those people who upload those reviews who know nothing about music or whatever. Yeah. It's like, I wish I had that. Like whatever they have that makes them not able to view themselves in that way. Like that's mm. what I need. Like there are so many bands that have that and have made a career like without ever having a moment of introspection. Like, yeah, it's, really, it's insane. It, yeah, it really is. Like that, um, you actually made, uh, you actually improved this somehow, but you know The Sound of Silence by Disturbed. Oh. <laughs> so like, I cannot believe, I, I like, I, so when I was like 11 or 12, I really yeah. loved Disturbed. I, I am a new metal apologist. Like that's the thing yeah. that's gonna, I'm gonna be running for Senate someday and they're gonna find out that I li listened to new metal as a kid and it's gonna ruin my whole campaign. But I was like super into it and I was telling everyone to listen to Disturbed and like they're so good. Check out their cover of Land of Confusion. It's amazing. And then I grew mm. up and I was like, actually, no, like this was good at the time. Uh, yeah. but, but now I see why this is not actually good music. Um, and all the people who laughed at me for listening to Disturbed are now the same people that are coming to me saying, hey, check out this cover of The Sound of Silence. And I'm like, what <laughs> what's wrong with you? How is this happening? Am I living in some weird, like, parallel universe? This makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that just comes with people when they eventually kind of grow up a little bit. Because I know I had the exact same thing, like, back in even, like, uh, public school i'd go to school wearing like slipknot shirts and whatnot mm. and people would make fun of me relentlessly for it and nowadays people are just saying just like oh you know even the people that aren't big metal fans they're just kind of like oh well you know that you know slipknot's got a couple good songs that i like and blah 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 it's just kind of people open up a little bit more yeah. and get a little bit judgmental and realize that you know we're all individuals with different tastes and stuff like that because like i am not like a rap or hip-hop fan like at all but, you know, if somebody else does, it's just like, it's not a big deal. It's like, again, difference opinion. Yeah, totally. It's more just the, being a new metal kid in school was basically like a, 
you, you're basically signing a social contract there to never be invited to anyone's house. <laughs> like you're, you're basically like just signing away a lot of social privileges that a normal child would have. I don't know if that was the same in Canada. Like I, I sort of get the feeling it's actually cooler to listen to uh, heavier music in North America. I don't know. I get that really well, from movies and stuff. But What's that like over there? Well, in school... If you were just to make it pretty general... Like, what would it be like? Um, I mean, it, it was not... There was probably two other people in my entire year that listened to the same type of music I did. And mm-hmm. I feel like if you listen to that kind of music, it becomes a stronger part of your identity somehow. Um, hmm. Because you don't really identify with pop music, right? Like, no one's going to wear a Kesha t-shirt to school or, or that kind of thing. But when yeah. you're into metal music, obviously it speaks to you on some different level because you're actually going to chase it. You're going beyond what the radio airways are telling you, and you're you're going straight for like a, you know, the the black hoodies and the skateboards and all of that. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I guess it's tied down to your identity, and that ultimately puts you into a separate box in school. So, um, in my school, definitely I was a little bit of an outcast because of that. Like, um, mm-hmm. it's not to say I was wildly unpopular, but I would have never been accepted in the most popular groups because they were like oh that guy's a hippie he's got long hair and listens to you know mud vein and stuff like that so <laughs> that's kind of where you get put in is it, is it the same in canada uh, actually yeah i say it is pretty similar to be honest because like yeah over here like even looking at myself it's just like i wear a band shirt every single day like i'm wearing a trivium sweater right now i was gonna and, mention uh, that every video with you in it you're wearing a different yeah, metal t-shirt it's actually amazing that is my entire wardrobe man that wow. is like literally everything i own it's just like between like concerts and just like just going out wherever finding shirts or whatever yeah i only wear like 10 different shirts even though i have like 50 to 70 but I only have like a, a small rotation of ones that I wear, but uh, yeah, I no, think, but, I think yeah, most like, people are like that too. Yeah, so that's why I wear like the exact same things in like every single video. It's either a Trivium or a Death Angel hoodie of some sort, or if it's not that, it's usually like a David Bowie shirt or something like that. But uh, yeah, like uh, what you were saying earlier though, yeah, I think it is pretty uh, similar overall in comparison, just a lot, which I find crazy actually because like whenever I see things like uh. Whenever my bands talk, or whenever my favorite bands talk about like playing shows like overseas or something like that, it, it, they don't say directly, "Oh, uh, you know, overseas is, it's better than North America and stuff like that." But it's just like they often hear about like you know, over in Europe and the UK, how much more passionate like they are about music in general yeah. than North Americans. And even if you watch like concert uh, videos and stuff like that that people just upload from YouTube, like. It's kind of strange to say, oh, I watched a phone recording, and I can see not as many people are recording with their phones over there. Yeah. Opposed to, like, someone playing a show in the States where everyone has, like, their iPads up or something like uh, that. So, dude, I swear to God, I am... Um... I'm actually wearing a band t-shirt right now of a Canadian band called Our Lady Peace. I don't, you probably Oh, know okay, them. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of them. So they're, they're like my favorite band of all time, possibly. And yeah. um, I've, I am lucky enough to be probably one of the only Irish people in the world that's seen them live twice. Um, oh, really? They came to, uh, I used to live in London and they came to London and I saw them twice. Um, once on Canada Day in um, Leicester Square in London City Centre and then another time yeah. at a... Uh, a small venue and it was awesome like i love them they're amazing 
and I was I, I really like love Canada. I love looking at pictures of Canada. I've got relatives in Canada. I've never actually been, but I feel a strong mm. sense of affinity with the country. Um, yeah. I listen to a lot of Canadian music and stuff like that. Like sometimes I put Canadian radio stations on. Like it's a, it's a weird <laughs> thing I do, but um, yeah. I was gonna go see Our Lady Peace on one of their most recent tours, and I was looking at the venues they were playing, and every single venue they played is seated, and it's like, yeah. what? I'm not gonna sit at a concert. What? Like that? That is yeah. absolutely insane to me. That like where people usually stand right in front of the stage, it's seats. It's lined with seats. That that yeah. blows my mind. That, like that can't lead to a good atmosphere, surely. Well, it's like I don't know. I find definitely it it's harder for the band too because it's definitely one of those things where it's just like a a band feeds off the crowd and the crowd feeds off the band almost. Yeah. So it's like how can a band go on stage and have energy if like everyone in the crowd can't move? They yeah. kind of just stand there and watch or something like that. Maybe like you know bob their head a little bit, but it's like it looks very strange going all out and like headbang or something if you're in seats or whatever but i find it funny though because there was one time i was at a slipknot show and i'm not even ever gonna dare go down into like the mosh pit of a slipknot show yeah that'd be hardcore <laughs> i yeah i'm a weak and fragile man and i'll get destroyed i so, nearly uh, died in a blink when i two mosh pit there's no way oh, i'm really? going to slipknot <laughs> what <laughs> well it's even blink 182 though it's like they they have high energy though and i imagine the fans are super passionate, so I can still see it, like despite you know the difference in aggression. But uh, yeah. yeah, so when we went to go see Slipknot. We we're still in the stands, like quite a ways back, but I still saw people trying to crowd surf in like the seated area. Oh my and god! Like, just, yeah, and like there's one guy who's like dressed up as one of the members, like as a clown, and he's like trying to get people to crowd surf him, and then like. There's not enough space, or there's too much space in between the people, so they couldn't really move them properly. They drop the guy, he hits his head off one of the seats and falls on the concrete, and I'm oh, just like, dear. oh, man. I, like, a part of me feels bad, but at the same time, I'm just like, what would you expect, honestly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or there's the guys, too, who I see trying to crowd surf, too, and they stand on the people's heads. I'm just like, come on, are you serious? It's like... It's not about hurting people. It's about having a good time. Why can't we all just, you know, it's okay if you want to get a little crazy, but just like at least be considerate of others. Yeah. That's my biggest pet peeve with concerts, I find. It's, it, that's that, like, for some reason, that strikes me as funny because you're like clearly such a dedicated metal fan and you've got all these metal t shirts <laughs> and I'll be like, come on, guys, <laughs> we've got to show oh, some. Oh, no, no, because I'm like the biggest wuss of a metal fan <laughs> ever. Because, like, I remember I was with my dad and brother, and we were going to go see Slayer one time. And there's, like, are we allowed to swear on here? Absolutely. Okay, sweet. Yeah, so we're in line waiting to go see Slayer. You're, like, you know, one of the biggest thrash metal bands on the planet. And there's people online yelling, just like, fucking Slayer! And then I'm just, <laughs> I'm just standing there. I'm just like, please shut up. Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm such an introverted loser sometimes, but I'm just like, yeah, just whenever or we're in line... And we're always like, okay, whenever they're like just a big group of metalheads together, how long does it take for just some idiot to yell out the band's name or something like that <laughs> yeah. while we're waiting in line? Or just like people just starting to like to sing song lyrics and wait for everybody to start singing along. I'm just that, like, that's that actually strikes me as distinctly North American. Like if, if someone oh, really? if someone did that here, they would just get slapped. Like oh really? Yeah. Like you, you. Oh man. Like I'm just thinking of the the most crazy concert I ever went to was probably Blink. Um, yeah. 
and like because like four years strong played and like they're pretty wild and then blink just you know they're they are a high energy pop punk band and Mm -hmm. um I just, I, I'm imagining, like, when we were waiting for the band to come out, you know, the lights had gone down, and it was only, like, they were going to be on stage in a couple of minutes, and people were shouting stuff like, you know, basically, like, let's fuck shit up when they come out, like, let's start a riot yeah. and all that. I just, if someone <laughs> shouted Blink-182, I would find that the weirdest thing ever. Like, <laughs> so, yes, <laughs> we're aware of that. That's why yeah, we're right. all here. <laughs> well, something I always find funny before uh, going into a show is, like, I've heard this one, because I've seen uh, Megadeth do, like, they have this one uh, thing that they do called Gigantor, where it's just, like, Megadeth's headlining, and then they just have, like, a few other bands it's basically just a regular tour, but like most of the bands are pretty well known. Yeah. But then, uh, just going waiting in line. Most people are there just to see Megadeth and whoever else is playing. And then just someone in line, like you know, after you know thousands of people being there, and like the you know a few odd people just yelling at Megadeth's name. So just that one lone guy that just decides to just be funny and just yell out like the first opening band's name. He's like. <laughs> The Kuna Coil, yeah, or something <laughs> like that. It's just like the funniest thing. I'm here for but, Christina Scabia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I find that interesting, though, how you say just like you'd think if somebody just shouted out a band name, though, they'd get slapped over there. There's it a lot like of a... Um, things like that that I feel are very sort of like almost just actually American to do, where it's like yeah. they're very... Um, I don't know it's it's like a collective like we're all having fun type thing whereas I don't know in Ireland especially people are just not like that it's it's we have like a much more sort of cynical outlook on stuff like that I think yeah. um, like I'd imagine most people are sitting there like thinking to themselves like uh everyone else in this crowd is kind of annoying and yeah I, I don't know I feel like just the intensity levels are so much more heightened because of the national psyche that we have like lots of i'm not one of those people that um i'm definitely not a nationalist or anything i I don't care about being irish like it, it mm-hmm. means nothing to me it's just a, a matter of where i was born um yeah but it's i think observably true that irish fans when it comes to concerts are the most passionate at least um in terms of uh countries in the west or english-speaking countries because i know that in south america those fans are absolutely nuts as well um oh yeah they're probably the loudest Uh, irish Mm -hmm. fans i think interact with the crowd in such a different way like um i went to see um i've seen i've seen the gaslight anthem every single time they've ever played on irish soil and Mm -hmm. when it comes to the crowd interaction it's like an actual conversation it's like people don't shout out the names of songs or like they don't shout stuff like that like no one is going to go and say free bird or any of that it's all just yeah they'll say something and someone will come up with some really witty response to it and it'll become a back and forth between the crowd and the between the crowd and the audience between the (laughs) audience and the performer and um i think that just enhances the atmosphere because everyone is all of a sudden having a really good time like collectively Mm -hmm. like it it sort of happens really organically, whereas I get the sense that in America it's more almost like mandatory fun in a way, and not true any like um, purposeful way. It's just we're going to a concert, we're all gonna have fun. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Does that make any sense, or did I just? Yeah, no. That that's an interesting point actually, because I find 
Now, this is uh, totally just my perspective on it, because like uh, I was just saying, I'm always the guy who's just standing there just telling the people or it, mentally in my head, just telling the people that are screaming to be quiet, please. Yeah. So I can have some peace. In- so I can have some peace and quiet in a metal show. <laughs> <laughs> no, but usually whenever I like I'm the guy, I always like getting up in the front row. So I can like you know have a barricade to hold on to, and yeah. so I can watch my band play, and then uh, but then there's the uh, I find I just don't get the people that like to crowd surf, or I find my biggest problem with shows is the people that drink a little bit too much. I find they're the ones that get a little bit obnoxious. There was a guy who tried picking a fight with me when I was 15 years old at a Megadeth show for no reason. Yeah, I'm just like. Are you kidding me? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know what what it's like again over there in comparison, but yeah, there's a. I've seen a couple fights break out just because, like, I guess I don't know. I guess maybe it's the kind of shows we go to too. But like, when it comes to metal shows, like, it's such uh, an aggression. Like, there's so much release from the crowd. Like when it comes to moshing, I guess to some people, if they drink too much or something like that, they get just way into it. Yeah. But yeah, I remember. Uh, Megadeth is one of my favorite bands of all time, and for that show, they came to my home city. I got in front row, right in front of Dave Mustaine, and I was just like, okay, I can die now, I'm happy. But during uh, Motorhead's performance, right before Megadeth came on, there was a guy who was beside me. He put a bag down on the ground, and then he got pushed back out of the front, and he kind of fell like in a row behind me. And then he starts like elbowing me right in the spine and he's just like will you fucking move and i'm just like i can't move i'm so crushed up here and then he like starts shoving me as hard as he can Jeez. and there's people around me yelling and i'm just like i can't do anything what do you expect and then uh and also it's just like you put your bag on the floor for a thrash metal show yeah, of course that's, like, that's the tra- first thing that jumped out at me as well it's yeah like, that's it's a like, stupid idea yeah, and the like, thing that confirmed that this guy was just an idiot is because like, he tried putting his uh, sweater like over the barricade, just kind of on the floor right in front of him. Oh, and security wouldn't let him, so he, the, the guy gave security attitude for it. But yeah, this guy pretty much tried picking a fight with me, and then I'm just like, after he got his bag, and then Motorhead continued playing. And of course, Motorhead's like the loudest band on the planet, so yeah. you can't really have you know a nice civil discussion with somebody. So while they're playing, this guy's like still shoving me for no reason. I'm just like, okay, fuck this. I moved to the back and then watched all Megadeth set from like the very back. And that was like the most devastating thing that has ever happened to me in my life. So, yeah, I don't know. It's not like that at every show. But again, I guess it's just I I don't even know if that has anything to do with the culture or anything like that. I guess I kind of just went on a a small tangent about some of my own experiences. But, yeah, I just find a lot of the crowds, they can be. Be a little too much sometimes. I went to see Brand New um, <clears throat> last year, or was it last year? No, I think it was actually the year before last, possibly. Um, yeah. Before it was not okay to like Brand New anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, the my friend, uh, one of my friends is a musician, and he got me tickets. This show sold out in like 40 seconds, so I had no chance of getting tickets, but... Um, yeah. my friend was like, oh, just go to the box office, say your name. There's, uh, there's two tickets for you there. I was like, awesome. So I went and I got the tickets and they were seated, which was just terrible. And then <laughs> when I actually got into the venue, I figured out I could stand, but I was with my girlfriend and she's not a fan of theirs at all. And she doesn't really like loud music or like, yeah. I just knew that she wouldn't have a good time if we went, if if we did what I wanted to do, I would be like, I would be in the mosh pit and like trying to crowd surf and all that stuff. 
Um, yeah. And I couldn't really do that to her. So I was like, all right, we'll sit down. <laughs> and I watched that whole show, like, looking down on the audience. And, the, like, there was so many crowd surfers. There was just so much going on. And it looked awesome. And I looked at it, and the whole time I just thought, I wish I was there. Like, that's where I want to be. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. um, they were supposed to come back last month. And, again, my friend sorted me out with tickets. But this time he got me... Um, like passes so that I could basically go wherever I wanted in the venue. Um, So I was super excited to go into the mosh pit this time. And then Jesse Lacey, uh, it was revealed that he is a kiddie fiddler. So um, that's, I guess that's the end of that band. But uh, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been charged with anything. He hasn't admitted anything, but like everyone's, everyone kind of knows that he's definitely done some form of shady shit. So um, mm-hmm. I'm never going to get to see them like, you know, in the capacity that I would like to. And on one hand, I'm actually sad. And then on the other hand, I'm like, good, they don't deserve to ever tour again. It's like a really weird sort of continuum. You know, I, I can't figure out, I can't balance my emotional response to it in the right way. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of confusing, but, um, <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, I know there's plenty of, uh, bands out there that I'd love to see that, it most likely will not happen any anytime soon or at all because uh, I was mentioning a couple times before how much of a David Bowie fan I am. And if anybody like you know sees my Twitter or Instagram or anything along those lines, they know how big of a fan of his I am. Yeah. But I only got into him after he died. Oh, so it's that like, sucks. Yeah, and he has like become one of my idols. Like I've never gotten into an artist so fast. Like I think yeah, he has 25 actual studio albums. And, like, within, like, six months, I already have, like, 12 of the vinyls. I know, like, every song off of 15 of them at this point. So it's just the fact that it's just, like, yeah, I'm never going to get to see them live at any point. It's pretty devastating for me. The next, Like, the next best thing will be, like, go see a tribute band or something like that. But oh, it's just, like... man, I have the saddest story about oh, uh, no. Bowie tribute band. <laughs> this, this isn't sad on an emotional level. Well, it shouldn't be. I mean, it is, <laughs> but it won't be. <laughs> um, so uh, Ziggy Stardust... Uh, obviously like a huge moment of creative output for Bowie um, yeah. which just to contextualize how much of a god David Bowie is that's a thing he did for a few months when he was 25 <laughs> and then oh, he just I know it's, it's insane. insane yeah it's absolutely <laughs> nuts um, but it was it was David Bowie and the or sorry Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars and um, the Spiders from Mars were like his support band or the you know his touring band um, yeah. and when he was done with Ziggy Stardust he was done with them and they didn't find any lasting career in music, so they ended up becoming the Spiders from Mars in a tribute band to Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Really? So, yeah. Like, how wow, I had no sad idea. is that? That's like... Wow. Imagine you found out that, like, the bassist from Led Zeppelin now plays bass in a Led Zeppelin tribute band. It's... Wow, yeah, when you put it like that, that really puts it in perspective for me. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it's just sad. Like, it's just yeah, actually well, sad. Well, especially knowing how critically acclaimed like that album in particular is, knowing that it's just like, as much as I love Bowie, I think a lot like the, his musicians didn't get enough credit. Mm, yeah. So it's just the fact knowing that it's just like, oh man, these guys didn't even really get anywhere else after that. They kind of stayed stuck there for a while. It's just like, oh, that is so upsetting. Yeah. I couldn't. Yeah, I really couldn't imagine writing. Well, I don't even know how much the band wrote for him, but like contributing so much to a project for somebody 
and then once you're not a part of it anymore, that's something that you're kind of stuck in forever. Yeah. I have a yeah, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that concept. I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you have to constantly reinvent yourself. Like, you know, it, it's in, like the stars with the most longevity have all reinvented themselves at different times. Like Bob Dylan, uh, Bowie, Madonna, people like that. Like mm-hmm. they just they go through phases of different levels of creative output. It's it's quite interesting. Like even like someone like Rihanna who has had like I don't know 37 albums in the last 7 years but like mm-hmm. each one is a slightly different variation of her like yeah. it's it's I don't know I I find stuff like that to be quite interesting when you're looking yeah. at what a person's actually creating you know how much goes into it and stuff well yeah well that's usually my favorite kind of artists out there the ones that don't do the same thing twice yeah. which I find actually I have a uh, because I try writing a lot of music myself too, but I I haven't even really started a music career yet. Like I I really don't count this channel as like a start of a music career, but uh yeah I write a lot of stuff, but I haven't even started yet. But I'm already having like an identity crisis because I write because uh, I want to write something in whatever I just listened to almost. Yeah. So I got like uh again that one program i mentioned at the very beginning guitar pro where it's like you can pretty much make your own songs tab it out and then listen to it back almost uh i got like folders worth of files all in different genres which sucks when you're like you're trying to just like okay i need to just anchor down and do one thing but i have like a a folder for like you know ambient music i have one for funk metal yeah Uh, my my attempt at jazz prog whatever else and just like oh what do i focus on there's so many things i want to make but i just i can't seem to sit down and finish one thing because i got like "Hmm." it's interesting because a lot of artists will tell you um after they make a certain album that they were trying to sound like something that they were inspired by but they sound nothing like it like um the killers their second album they say they were trying to be the Arctic Monkeys, and it sounds mm-hmm. nothing like the Arctic Monkeys. And I forget who they said they. Uh, they said they were trying to be the Pet Shop Boys with their first album, and again, it sounds nothing like the Pet Shop Boys. Like they both just sound like the Killers. So I guess mm-hmm. th- there'll come a point where you nail down what your sound is, and then it won't matter what you're trying to do. It will always sound like you. I think that's the kind of place that you're supposed to get to. Because like oh totally. If you like if you, like just a band like Blink One Eight Two, I don't know how into them you are, but. If if you were to listen to Cheshire Cat and then listen to their self-titled album, they're two they're worlds apart. But like mm-hmm. they're both undeniably Blink One Eight Two, but they're two completely different genres of music and like different levels of quality and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it's actually like it's it's really sad for me because I am like the biggest music fan I know, and like I yeah. sometimes I just congratulate myself for how well I think about music. I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> I really know that this is a good piece of music right here, but yeah. I, I don't understand music at all. Um, like I heard you talking about, uh, I, you were you were parodying a music reviewer and you were talking about how sounds are like 4-4 four, four or 6-3 or 7-5 or whatever. And like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what the fuck that means. <laughs> uh, there's this band called Biffy Clyro and um, they've got this song called Living is a Problem Because Everything Dies. And yeah. I can tell you that song starts out with an insane time signature. Like it makes no sense. It's like as a listener, when I try and like with Slipknot, um, when Joey Jordison is drumming, I can tune mm. into that drumming and drum along with it. Like it's, yeah. it's like military precision. And this Biffy song doesn't do that at all. It's all over the place, but it works perfectly. Yeah. And so well, I, some... I can tell you all of that, but I have no idea what the fuck any of it means. <laughs> so it's, yeah. Well, it's like, 
That's something I've very much gotten into recently. Is like just prog and like a stuff that's considered more complicated almost. Like, or I find whenever I'm writing something, for some reason, like I'll have an idea in my head, and that's something I've actually been working on a lot lately. Is like if I have a sound in my head, actually learning how to make it like a real thing. Yeah. But for some reason, every single time I try making something that like I hear in my head, the time signature makes no sense whatsoever. Because like. There's one song, uh, I know you say you didn't understand time signatures, but uh, there's one where I wrote where it's like 9.32 time, where it just like makes no sense whatsoever, and then like it jumps back and forth between all this, all these weird time signatures, but it's just like you're saying though, it's just like, it doesn't have to be straightforward, but it kind of works in that way, mm. which is which is something I actually uh, find interesting about it, because I know you mentioned this at the beginning where you said like, when it comes to the videos I make where you like notice slight nuances and stuff that you didn't notice before. Yeah. Like a like, song originally. Just yeah. The, the way it makes me think about, I, like I, I've actually changed the way I think about music because when your videos like as, as frustrating as they are, like they basically <laughs> just deconstruct the sound and it makes me think yeah. like, geez, like this one thing is actually really important because when you turn that off, it sounds like yeah. this, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that's, yeah, that's something I actually find like very interesting though, because I went to music school for like a very short time. I dropped out of it because the teachers there it was it wasn't good. It was not good. Okay, but yeah. something yeah, something I did learn though about uh, it's just weird because like technically there is no right or wrong way for it to be done. Like like technically speaking, or like yeah, when it comes to learning theory, it's just like that's one thing I don't like about it because they're very much like okay. Here are the rules. This is how music goes. You can't, you know, break the rules or anything like that. And it's like I pretty much took nothing out of that because everything I do doesn't really follow any rules. If it sounds good to me, it is. Yeah. But um, yeah. Something I found cool though, just like how, like how we were used to hearing things because we're used to hearing like you know harmonies that we're used to and like to us sound nice. Like in any pop song, like you know, with vocal layering and stuff like that. Like you know, it all sounds really good together. But then if you listen to, again, even like my channel, for example, if you listen to something that's like, you know, a semitone off, it sounds awful. But like in reality, it's like, is it really awful or is that just because like what we're trained to think is awful almost? Like what we're genetically, you know, meant to feel is wrong. And even like I know uh, one of my teachers, like we had like a history of music class and like he played like just a nice, you know, major chord. It's like, oh, does that sound nice to everybody? And everyone's just like, yeah, it sounds really nice. And he's like, how about this? just play some really weird not so pretty sounding chord and they just like yeah most people raise their hands saying it's like yeah that sounds awful and it's like well this was common at this uh, era like era of time and i'm just like really that's so interesting because yeah something so bad would sound like normal to them but us like in our musical world like of our modern age where everything kind of has its structure and it works the way it does it's just like I guess since we hear it so much since birth, it's just like that's just what sounds right to us without even knowing it. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It is like even like in um, like hardcore bands or like post-hardcore, like I still find that I'm rooting out the melody in them. Uh, yeah. No matter like like bring me the horizon. Like the reason why I can listen to their last like two or three albums is because they're a lot more melodic than. Their, oh, definitely. Their first two albums, which to me just sound like an electric drill. I like it's like, <laughs> like I hear it and I'm just like, there's there's no need for music to sound like this. 
Even yeah. though if someone were to tell me that exact sentence, I'd get defensive. <laughs> I'd be oh, like, I know. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, just the lengths I will go to to defend sounds that I don't even like just blows my mind sometimes. <laughs> but it's it's true. Like, music now is, is more refined than it ever has been. Like, you've got, like, Nickelback and Coldplay are two bands who have basically boiled pop music down to a science where it's like mm. they're literally, like... Um, exploiting the way your brain thinks about music to get you to like it like it's like that sinister and it's um, a strange thing it is it's really weird like it the, the especially weird thing about Nickelback is that like Chad Kruger is just such an identity crisis of a man that he's just like <laughs> he still maintains that they're like the most diverse band on the planet and that like they, they have they play metal songs and stuff it's like dude like come on like just you've admitted so many times that you're just writing exploitative pop music. Like, why don't you just embrace oh. that? And st- yeah. What a, what a weird man. What a, yeah. I don't know. I find they do get a little bit too much hate though. Cause I find for the most part, the people that say Nickelback sucks don't know any more than like five songs, which, yeah. and I, I'm saying this from like the perspective of a guy that doesn't like Nickelback either, but I, I won't like go ahead and just like ramble about how bad they are. Like it's almost turned into a meme at this point. That's, just to make fun of Nickelback. Yeah, I do hate when that happens to something and something becomes the benchmark and it just becomes the most obvious. Thing. Like, Waterworld is the worst movie ever made. Like, people always say that. And it's just yeah. not. It's definitely not. Um, Nickelback are, like, the one thing I make an exception for. Like, I think they actually deserve their place where they are because mm-hmm. in spite of the fact that everyone hates them, like, they're still selling out arenas all the time. And, like... Oh, yeah. So it's it's sort of, like... It's not only that, like, they are actually genuinely everything that everyone says about them. Like, they're pretty much the the prototypical, you know, the embodiment of we write music to sell records. Oh, yeah. And we're pretending that we don't. It's just, <laughs> like, it, it's just, it's it's never been more observable in a band, I don't think. I, and I think that's why it's it's all the hate is pinpointed at Nickelback. Like, I would agree. I, I, I think Coldplay deserve a lot of the hate. <laughs> To yeah. be honest, I'd be happier if it were spread out towards them a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a big Coldplay fan, so... Yeah, I kind of... You know, earlier you were talking about, like, how you, on those song reviews you did where you put in a disclaimer and stuff, like... Yeah. I, so a pro tip from me is just don't do that. You should say <laughs> your opinion like it's fact. <laughs> I do it all the time. Like, if, <laughs> if anyone ever asks me my opinion on Bohemian Rhapsody, I'll tell you why it's the worst fucking song ever made. And it's, <laughs> and that's just that's a fact that I've come up with. That's another song that you actually improved. I much prefer your version of it. To oh that. God! <laughs> <laughs> you know what is the funniest thing though? Because uh, I know you and I were talking uh, before we started recording that I used to work uh, like I work midnights, but I used to work days. And, you know, I just work like a part-time grocery store job, nothing fancy whatsoever. But it's always so funny hearing a song that I butchered over the PA. Because I'm just like, when Bohemian Rhapsody was actually a decent example. I was just like walking around doing my job in front of customers, and then I hear Bohemian Rhapsody on the radio, and then all I can think of is my version of it, and then I'm just sitting there or just laughing to myself like an idiot in public at nothing. And that's so funny. It makes me look like a crazy person. Yeah. I I feel like I like Bohemian Rhapsody, but I feel like it's been a little bit overplayed at this point. Like. Everyone's been praising it as, like, the best song of all time for, like, what, 40 years now or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I, I, it's it's sickly to me. I don't understand it. Well, it what just, is it you don't like about it? So, uh, the the part where it's, like, 
Um, I actually really like the bridge where it does the do 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 like that's really good. Yeah. I I absolutely hate the um he's just a poor boy like that part. I hate that. I hate the Biz yeah. Miller part. I you know what it is? I hate the flamboyancy of it because it's just yeah. it's too sweet. It's it's like I don't know, it's like biting into a huge piece of toffee or something it just it's just too sickly and like i like the rock and roll bits queen actually have a lot of rock and roll songs that i like i actually think they did that really well but i don't know i can't stand the high-pitched sort of opera-esque like it's it's also just really camp and there's nothing wrong with that it's just i don't like hearing like the sound of just really camp opera music when it's embedded in a like semi rock song i I don't know it's it's just to me it's all over the place and it's a mess and i understand that that's why it's a masterpiece like i completely get what it is that people like about it and i know that scientifically it is the, the greatest song ever because it hits so many different parts of the brain and all but Honestly, mm. it, it sounds like just the most frustrating listening experience ever for me. And I can't properly articulate as to why, but it's really just that it's too sweet. Well, I always find that interesting, too. It's like whenever there's something you don't like, but you like you did a pretty good job. But just overall, when you say it, it's just like there's just something about it that I can't put my finger on. Like there is so many bands out there that I want to like. Yeah. I want to I want to <clears throat> like black metal so badly but I can't get into any of the bands and I don't know why. Like, I think the biggest thing is like kind of the stereotypical thing where it's like most production in black metal. It's like, it's God awful. Like it sounds like it was recorded on like a garage band mic. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really garage band murky. Mic. Ro- and... Yeah. Ro- rock band mic. I mean, and like just in someone's garage pretty much. Yeah. So I don't know. That's like one thing, but there's like stuff up there where the, some of these bands are on like a major label of some sort. And they got, like, the nice production and, like, you know, it's mixed well and everything. And I still can't get into it. I don't know what it is. But, yeah, it's just – it's a weird thing not being able to really pinpoint. But I can understand, though, when uh, – talking about Bohemian Rhapsody, though, like, it's not my favorite song on the planet. I do like it, and I understand why people consider it, like, you know, it should be the national anthem of the world or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> but, no, I see what you're saying totally, though. Yeah, it's I don't know. It, it just it just frustrates me. But I I definitely have always had like an anti mentality, like an anti whatever is the most popular thing. And I, I think on some level I'm just being difficult about it. But yeah. at the same time, when I like I can analyze that that observation, but I, I can't actually do anything to alter it. I just I I will not like that song. <laughs> There's nothing that can be done <laughs> to change it. But the rock and roll bit is super cool, and like that's a thing yeah. that Queen did really well. I do think that they're the most overrated band ever, but that's sort of a separate deal, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, well, it's like, I kind of agree with that because they're one of those bands where I even feel like this is probably how it is for like most of their fan base, where it's just like they know the hits yeah. and they know how popular they are, so that automatically makes them the greatest band of all time, I guess. Even though, like, like I'm in the same boat. I really can't name five songs that aren't hits. Yeah. So I think that's pretty common, I think. Yeah. They have a song called Headlong, which actually, it was a hit, but I don't think it's one of the hits, if you know what I mean. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. That song is super cool. Like, they yeah. should do more stuff like that. And then Under Pressure, obviously, is great, but that's because David Bowie is there, so it's <laughs> hard to give them much credit. Do you know what I find the weirdest thing about music? Um when it comes to people being inspired by one sound and then uh, sort of tapering off that and into their own thing, um, is Hmm. 
like Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails was like hugely inspired by Queen, and I I don't really do. You, do you listen to Nine Inch Nails at all? Not really. They're like on a a list of bands that I need to listen to, which oh, okay. is ginormous. I've always wanted to check them out more though. Yeah, well, they're one of my favorite bands. If if I were to pick, it's them or Our Lady Peace. They're both really yeah. tied. Um, but so Trent Reznor is like super inspired by Queen, and you can hear it in some songs like. Um, there's this track on the downward spiral called Heresy, and the intro to that is basically the intro to um, Radio Gaga by mm. Queen. But other than that, like I, I do not see where the inspiration comes from. Like I just can't wrap my head around the fact that Trent Reznor, <laughs> like the, the the guy whose whose output is some of the most like just industrial like nauseating noise and i mean noise like nine inch yeah. nails is a noise band and uh i just can't imagine him rocking out to queen like there's just <laughs> there's, there's no way i can reconcile that like it's so weird to me well that's a comment i get frequently it's just like this sounds like a nine inch nails version or something oh, like really? that <laughs> yeah it's something i've seen around a couple of times i think it's just the mixture of uh like things that people are inspired by though is like, of course, I can only speak personally, but like, there's this one song that I tried writing. I wrote like this six minute or like six and a half minute long kind of just prog rock song. I sat there and like wrote it all in one day pretty much. But there's like a section where it sounds like Rush, like a total Rush ripoff. And then there's like a heavy section in the middle where it's just straight 4-4 time where like people could headbang to. Yeah. Sounds like something it could be like, you know, something trivia made or whatever. And then there's like this whole big melodic section that sounds like something Iron Maiden could have made. But hopefully, if people were to listen to it, they wouldn't catch all of those. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? I yeah. I mean. So I, I, it might be kind of the same sort of thing where it's just like you listen to a band you like who's saying like, oh, we're inspired by this. And then like maybe that section of a song is inspired by that. But then the rest is kind of stuff that you're not maybe as familiar with. or yeah. That's as far as that's the best thing I can come up with. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever listened to a Canadian prog band called I Mother Earth? Uh, I can't say I've even heard of them actually. Uh, they're not like their first album is quite proggy, but they didn't continue being. I think they sort of ventured into like light pop rocky kind of sound around the two mm thousands. -hmm. But um, yeah, their first album, uh, which I forget the name of, um, you might be interested in that. Like it's it's. I don't know. I don't really know a lot about prog music. Like it's never been something yeah. I've been hugely into. But I know that I really dig their first album. So, um, what are they called again? Uh, I Mother Earth, like I... the letter I. Yeah, it's yeah. It's a weird name. Um, I don't know if you can hear that on the mic, but I'm typing that in right now. In <laughs> yeah. <document. laughs> um, uh, prog is something I've very much gotten into very recently because for the longest time I was very just. Like, all throughout public school and high school, I was just like, oh, metal. I, I only like metal and stuff like that. But I find within, like, the last year, I've gotten into Prague. I've gotten into uh, – whenever I go to work, I go on YouTube and just find, like, compilations of a genre. And then I just put that on my phone and listen to it all night. Because lately, I've been listening to, like, a lot of ambient stuff, uh, electric swing, a lot of, you know, film scores, soundtracks, yeah. classical. A lot of just different stuff out there is – I guess kind of what we were saying earlier when just like, you know, when you were younger and people kind of would just make fun of like, you know, the fact that you like disturbed or something like that and yeah. then come back later. It's almost just like, you know, once you get older, like just your taste change and stuff like that and it expands, which 
I find for me personally, it's kind of a strange thing because I'm one of the kind of guys where it's just like, I have like, you know, my, my set of bands that I like, and then I'll explore everything in their catalog before I move on to something else first. Yeah. But yeah, it's fact that that's, too. yeah, it's just expanded a lot lately and it's been like in the stuff I write lately. It's just like, I'll listen to something one day and then I'll try writing in that style. And then I'll listen to something a different day and try writing that style. And it's just like, it's a mess, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I, I used to like really want to be in a band and every single time I was trying to fulfill that dream, I just realized that I, I just, I'm musically illiterate like, and I can't figure out how to, like, it's yeah. like that part of my brain, that, that door just never opened. So yeah. that kind of what sucks. Have you, what, what have you tried learning before? Uh, well, I tried learning guitar when I was younger. Yeah. I used to go to classes and stuff. Um, more yeah. recently, I've actually thought that it might be beneficial for me to, to try get into piano. I, I don't know if this is in any way relatable, but I am incredible on that keyboard. Like, I, I have like a, I, I type like 190 words a minute or something ridiculous. Um, wow. There's, there's, like a, <laughs> there's like a job agency in Dublin and I am their number one typist and they ring me like every second week offering me roles as a typist in different companies and stuff. So wow. I know that's a skill that I have, and I wonder if I was if I would be able to channel that into into piano because uh, like that doesn't seem like it would be overly difficult. Um, yeah. But then what I worry is that I'll learn it and I'll just be able to play other stuff, but I'll never be able to come up with my own music. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. I find it's just a lot of it's muscle memory, but man, that typing is impressive. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I don't think it, they told me it was 190 words a minute, but that just doesn't make sense to me. There's almost no way that could be true, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, because like I sit here and I type and I use like two fingers on each hand and then I, I move my whole hands around the keyboard. <laughs> I, I, I poke the buttons pretty much. It's like, it's not too fast, but yeah, I find a lot of it, is, like it'd just be muscle memory at that point. I don't really know because... I'm not a good piano player myself. I have one, and I can play maybe two songs on it max. Oh, wow. So I don't really know if it would transition, but I imagine, man, if you if your fingers are as skilled as like you hear they are, then you might be able to do some amazing things. Yeah, you, like, I know. Once like, you get the muscle memory down. That's the thing. I actually feel like it could be a serious... Like, I know that I used to be able to get 100% on what I've done by Linkin Park on Guitar Hero, and that's got to count yeah. for something in this world. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's, I think, feel like it's a... I find it funny, though, how, like, that's such a big gateway for everybody, though. Yeah. Like, it's really, like, not super... Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to say accurate, because I haven't played Guitar Hero ever since I picked up a real instrument. But it's just like, I find it's like, it's been such a cool gateway for it, though. But something that I found interesting, though, was I was talking to an old co-worker of mine who used to play, or, yeah, he used to play piano. He was, like, amazing at it. It's just, like, the perspective, because, like, again, I'm a string player. It's, like, what I do best, I cannot do piano to save my life. So I'm talking with him about it, and he's just like, well, to me, uh, piano, it's, like, it's easy because I just got two hands doing something. And it's like, you know, that's it. Like, it's simple. And whenever I look at a stringed instrument, it almost looks like a guitar, for example, with all the strings and frets. He says, it looks like I'm playing uh, six pianos at the same time. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, whoa, that's a pretty interesting perspective on it. Because for me, I look at piano and I'm just like, okay, you know, I got my strumming hand and then my fretting hand. But then you look at a piano player, it's like they got ten fingers going and everything like that. It's just like... Man, <laughs> yeah. that's insane. 
yeah. or a drummer who like you know have both feet and hands going. It's like you're doing like four different things at once. And it's just like drumming is the most underappreciated thing. Like it I, is. I, I watched like um I mean I I saw Blink right and and like they're mm-hmm. one of my all time favorite bands. Sort of like I'll, I'll I'll I will die on that hill. You know they're they're like an objectively bad band when it comes to especially their live stuff. They were absolutely horrendous. But yeah. Travis Barker is just out of this world. And I don't have to know anything about drumming to be able to appreciate what this guy does. Like, he did this drum solo towards the end. And, like, it was like, you know, the Tommy Lee one where the drums get flipped upside down as he's drumming? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. did that. And it's just like, it's just like, come on. Like, how do you even, like, <laughs> just give me a break. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I always find stuff like that insane because I know Slipknot used to do that, too, with uh, Joey Jordison there, mm. where it's just like, you know, they lift him up and turn him sideways and make him spin. And there he is still doing, like, you know, double kicks at, like, you know, 200 BPM. And just, like, are you kidding me? Like, Yeah, I know. Or, that, that guy or, was insane. Their, their drummer oh. is uh, is Max Weinberg's son now, right? The, the new Slipknot drummer? Uh, maybe? Yeah, I'm not I really sure. The... I've, fallen out, yeah, I've fallen out of Slipknot a little bit lately. But, man, he's good, too, though. He's, um, Max Weinberg is the guy from Springsteen's band. Oh, is he? Yeah, his son, his son is like the Slipknot drummer. That's insane. Yeah. Have you listened to their new album? The Are Grey you a fan? chapter? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, um, I, I, I thought it was, it was better than the one before it. Uh, was oh, All Hope, All Hope is, gone. is Gone? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the Subliminal Versus Valtteri, that is like, that's my favorite metal album of all time. Like it, yeah. I, I think it's the perfect metal album it's unbelievable that's actually the one slipknot album i don't own for some reason (laughs) yeah i don't know why because i like it but for some reason yeah i just don't own that one which actually oh go ahead that that album is like i i i I feel like it's the moment that like new metal died as a thing for me uh, which is weird because I know that album was I think that album came slightly out that album was like 2005 which I think new metal had long died anyway um Mm -hmm. but Oh my god, like that album is basically just a moment of musical maturity for me. Like it, it's so raw and aggressive and it's like a mm-hmm. a huge middle finger to new metal and all of the detractors and critics that classified Slipknot in that bracket and Oh yeah. Um, it's it's so good. Like Slipknot are such a legitimately good band that are sort of seen by some people as just clowns in masks who were, you know, who who came out of that the carcass of new metal, but they're actually just a bonafide quality metal band and they do an unbelievable live show as well i've never actually seen them live but i've watched like so many videos of them and yeah oh truly truly a uh quite the sight to see live they are pretty amazing yeah even though i was like super far away when i saw them it's just like they put on like one crazy show actually but volume three was actually a uh an album though that is very I hate saying things like "Ooh, it was very special to me," but it, it kind of, <laughs> yeah, it kind of was because it was like the first like, I'm quote unquote heavy metal album I listened to. Because like before that, I used to listen to like a lot of Iron Maiden and stuff like that. And then I remember my brother getting into like you know the the hits off that album, like you know before I forget Duality. Yeah, and then awesome I was just songs. like, yeah, yeah, totally. And he was like, I just listened to these. I'm just like, I really don't like these songs. It's like they're a little bit too heavy. And then eventually, it's just like he buys the album. And I'm just like, why aren't you liking Iron Maiden anymore? Why are you going in this heavy growly <laughs> shit, whatever? And then eventually, yeah, I just kind of got used to listening to it, I guess. And then that grew on me. 
And I think actually Pulse of the Maggots is like one of my favorite Slipknot songs of all time. I know yeah. it's not as big of a one off that album, but that it's like that one's just like especially the solo. I love the solo to that song. And I'm just like, oh my god, this is something like just made you want to just run around in circles out in the yard or something like that. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. <laughs> that's that's like the really interesting thing about metal music to me is that it makes people run around in a circle. <laughs> you see my, so my, many my own my one man mosh pit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you see like when you watch like uh, I don't know, Avenged Sevenfold or like bands like that, like and, and you see people doing these circles and you're like, Oh that that's really cool and then you Google like circle pits, what are they like? And you see other bands like um, heavier bands than Avenged Sevenfold and you see what an actual circle pit is like and it is just absolute yeah. chaos. Like it yeah, I, I can't I, I even imagine being in one like I don't know if this is like a, a territorial thing or not, but it's just like, do you guys have walls of death over there too? Um, I can't. <laughs> you know, I genuinely have never actually been to a super metal show. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I would okay. imagine that we do though. Like we. Yeah. I I I went to see Lost Prophets again before the whole weird sex thing. Um and. Yeah there was like a huge mosh pit at that show and that was a show yeah. with basically a teenage audience so mm-hmm. i'm guessing that when metal bands come to town like i i would imagine that irish people do go all out for them so yeah because i know like they're not super common but it is a very weird thing that i don't really understand because it's just like normally the band will kind of signal for it so it's not super common but it's just like everybody like they'll split down the middle They'll all go to one side, and then as soon as, like, you know, the music kicks back in, everyone just runs at each other like a war or something like that. And I'm just like, well, that looks like a good way to, you know, smash your head into somebody else's yeah. and lose a couple <laughs> teeth. So it's a strange thing. Like, circle pits I can understand because, like, you know, you're running around burning off energy and whatnot, but I don't understand the idea of, like, you know, stand, or splitting the crowd in half and then running at full speed into people. <laughs> it's just like... Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just because, again, I'm a wuss when it comes to actual shows. But maybe <laughs> uh, that's because I, I'm the kind of guy where it's just like I'm up front and I'm just like, nobody touch me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's such a funny image. But <laughs> have, have you ever seen what Slipknot do where they get um, where the DJ is Sid, Sid is the DJ, right? And he, yeah. he goes into the crowd and makes everyone sit down when they do spit it out. And yeah. Then, and then as soon as it kicks back in, they, yeah. everyone jumps up. Man, that is like. The craziest thing, seeing that live especially, it was actually during that moment too, um, when everybody was down, like, and they were still kind of, you know, just keeping the kind of the softer part going, trying to get everybody down. And then there was Corey Taylor just calls out a couple people from the crowd trying to get into a fist fight with each other during that part. Wow. And I'm just like, come on, guys, I want to, I want to jump the fuck up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Stop fighting each other. That's so. I was, I was at, I, I went to see Drake. Um your countryman i assume you're probably yeah. not much of a fan but um no the only thing i find funny with drake is that one album cover of him sitting on top of the cn tower yeah where it's just like somebody actually did like uh they went full like su- bill not bill not science guy i don't know they went full like sciencey on it and like they did like measurements and everything like that and if that photo were real that would mean drake would have had to been like 12 feet tall or something <laughs> like that if like if it was like accurate but yeah. yeah anyways yeah go ahead but he he i went to see him live and he broke up a fight 
and he yeah. just like kept on like screaming at this guy and calling him my G, which I can tell you, yeah. nobody in Dublin responds to that because we don't know what the hell that even <laughs> means. And he's just like, "Yeah, come on, my G." You don't... And uh, the guy, the guy eventually turned around. Drake was like shouting the whole time. He's like, "Turn around, like turn the fuck around," and he turned around. And Drake was just like, "Stop fucking doing that!" And then everyone cheered. <laughs> It's just like a really interesting thing to like observe. Oh, that's when funny. That but also, I went to that show with my cousin, and um, my cousin is like a personal trainer. He does calisthenics, and he's like just uh, his bicep is like the size of my head. But he's yeah. very unassuming. Like he's smaller than me. You wouldn't know that he's heavy. Like you wouldn't hmm. know he's got all that muscle mass. And he tried to crowd surf, and nobody could lift him up. <laughs> which which says like how young the audience was, I think mostly. But yeah, like yeah. That's, he, he was trying to crowd surf, and the people just could not even get that done. It was, it was pretty pathetic. That that's a gig where um, I was happy enough to go into the mosh pit because yeah, I pretty much dominated it, and I'm a skinny guy. <laughs> like, yeah. Congrats. <laughs> I see mosh pits, and it's like. Man, that is terrifying because my first show I ever went to, I went to go see Trivium, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Whitechapel before. No, I haven't. They're like a deathcore band, like probably one of the heaviest genres out there, and they're opening for Trivium. And I just remember, you know, a little 13-year-old me in front of the barricade just waiting for Trivium to come out, and during Whitechapel's set, I look behind me, and I just see like this huge just circle pit going on. I'm just like... Oh my god, I'm terrified. <laughs> just like, do not move towards my direction. Please stay in the center, please. Yeah, jeez. It, 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 like, um, the mosh pits I've been in, I have been pretty fearless, but they've all been, like, tame bands. You know, like, Biffy Clyro yeah. had a, a little bit of a mosh pit going for one of their songs called... Um, shit, what's the song called? Uh, it's the second track on... Uh, what the fuck is it called? doesn't matter anyway um they had like a little mosh pit and like i i jumped in that just to see what it was like and it was like pretty tame like i I could have stood in the middle of it and no one would have even bumped into me Um, oh really yeah and then like the blink one was absolutely insane because basically the entire venue was moshing um but i i saw this uh i think it i think it's what was the festival called something sonic uh, sonosphere festival oh yeah sonosphere yeah um there's a band called uh oh machine head you probably know machine Head. oh yeah i've seen them um, yeah so so they were playing this song called the blackened or the blackening i forget what it's called and um there's a there's a moment in this video from the it, it's from like 2008 or 2009 the footage and this woman stands in the in the in the cer- oh, in the center of a circle i know what you're talking about really you've seen this i've seen that yeah oh my but god that's a, insane yeah. Because I'm a huge Machine Head fan, so just like I know how much like they can get a crowd going, because I've seen them twice now, and like I find they're like one of the top bands out there, just to really just get a like a bit like a crowd head banging, yeah. just because like there's so much groove and just aggression to them. But no, I've seen that video before because I was just browsing through Machine Head videos. And it's just like woman just gets destroyed in a mosh pit, and it was just like the she funniest must thing. She travel like ten feet. Oh, like, no, it's insane. Oh, man. I can't believe you've seen that. That's such an unlikely coincidence. Oh, it, like, it was years ago, but yeah. yeah, it's hilarious. Unless, like, I don't know how common that would be, unless it was, like, some different video or something like that. Ah, but it's almost certainly the same one, I'm sure. Probably, but... <laughs> I'd imagine. So, if it's Machine Head, I probably came across it at one point. Yeah. I know one thing I still want to see someday, though, it might be, like, not a great thing to want to see someday, but just, like, 
someone trying to crowd surf and then they eventually uh, try and go over the mosh pit and see how that goes while oh. they're crowd surfing. That would be or would be the funniest thing ever. This seems like something you'd see at like an Alestorm show or something. Just like somebody uh, crowd surfing and then they go over a circle pit and like the crowd tries carrying that person and just runs them around in circles or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be, that actually reminds me of something I've seen. Have you heard of Ramstein before? Yeah, absolutely. Their yeah. um their album uh the one with Links 234 and you know all of yeah, the, yeah. all the hits. That that album is unreal. Yeah. I've seen them live once before and they did this awesome thing with their keyboard player. He got in a just an inflatable boat. And then he just jumped in the crowd on like in this boat and then just started just sailing like across the whole stadium. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, they put on an amazing show. Like I was uh we me and my brother went and we got in for free because like my dad had connections or something like that. So we got like box seats, which is like the furthest location physically possible. But it was still like the best show I've ever seen in my life. It was like a Michael Bay musical, seriously. <laughs> wow. Just like so many explosions and everything. It's just like you could feel how hot the flames were. And like, again, we were like as high up as you can be in like, you know, this huge stadium. So, yeah, it was still up there for like one of the best shows I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah. Jeez, you probably is. What is the best show you've ever seen? Uh, that one would be up there for sure. I've uh, I think the first time I've <clears throat> seen Trivium because that was like my first metal show like ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's tough, because there's been a lot. I was supposed to see Metallica this summer, and, like, with Event Sevenfold and Volbeat, but I got really sick and couldn't go. Ah, damn. And that, that, that was devastating, because those, like, I love all three of those bands. Event Sevenfold has been, like, one of my favorite bands since, like, the beginning of high school for oh, me. Wow, so really? Yeah, so that was quite devastating for me, so. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know, because I go to a lot of shows. It's always tough, though, because I live, uh, most bands... <clears throat> Uh, they always like to come to Toronto, and I live three hours away from Toronto, and I don't drive. So I always have to, you know, uh, book a bus to get there, and then go all the way there, and then find a place to stay, and then come all the way back. And it's just like, it is such a hard ordeal to go to shows all the time. But yeah. it's just like, that, I don't know. Those two are definitely up there for me. I think that would be it, for sure. Yeah, it's a pretty solid choice, in fairness. Yeah. Well, how about you? Uh, my favorite is Blink. Um, yeah? Yeah, I've gone into it at length before on the podcast, but it, it, to summarize it for you, it was basically just absolute mayhem. And yeah. um, there, there was, I, I, I sort of tell this bit every time, but there was a point in the show where I was two rows in front of Mark Hoppus, like mm -hmm. directly in his eye line, and within about yeah. 12 seconds, I was 25 rows back and in direct eye line with Tom DeLonge, like just the complete opposite side. It was just really? just the shuffling of bodies and complete madness. Like it was, wow. it was insane. Yeah, there's um, I, I also have a really sad story about a gig that I wanted to go see, which would have been my favorite, which was yeah. that I was supposed to see Lincoln Park in Manchester. Oh yeah, but then this like fucking terrorist guy blew himself up at an ariana grande concert so the lincoln park mm -hmm. one got cancelled yeah and um and then obviously i'm never going to see them again live now so it's yeah and even if i do it it won't be the same because like chester bennington was one of my favorite like yeah front men of all time so um they it, were it, I they, I... sorry i was just going to say they're, they're the oh. number one band that were on my list of bands i need to see for probably like 10 years but i just never got the opportunity 
and uh, yeah. and then, then like I had it and it was taken away and now obviously for reasons much bigger than my disappointment it's not going to happen again yeah. like it's yeah. well the thing that I found disappointing is that he died on my birthday too ah uh, jeez yeah so it's just like you know it was my birthday actually uh, when I said I was supposed to go see Metallica that was like supposed to be like a birthday gift for me but like I got really sick oh, so you know twenty first mm-hmm. birthday I'm at home sick. Can't go see Metallica, Event Sevenfold, and Volbeat. And then I find out that Chester from Linkin Park dies. I'm just like, man, this is the worst birthday I've ever had. Yeah, it's that is like really, really grim. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I was never a huge Linkin Park fan, but they're always up there for like one of the bands that like I knew how good they were. Yeah. And it's not like you know I listened to them and we're just like ah, I'm not into them. I just haven't given like a fair enough shot yet. Because, like, up until recently, everyone kind of just saw them as, like, a meme, a very meme band. Yeah, that's something that I, I used to get very sensitive about, because I, I like, while I abandoned, uh, you know, Limp Bizkit and Mudvayne and Papa Roach and all of those, like, silly bands, um, mm. Linkin Park stayed truly dear to me in the sense that I have all of their albums, um, and I love all of their albums, and I, I think their best creative output actually came way after the new metal bubble burst. Um, yeah, like my favorite album is A Thousand Suns from uh, 2010, and mm-hmm. it, like just everything about that album is is a masterpiece to me. Like I absolutely adore it, and mm-hmm. uh, I've loved everything that they've ever done. So it's it's not like I'm, you know, one of those people that's sad that a, a doorway to their childhood was closed. It's more like this is yeah. actually a, a band that I truly held dear and was looking forward to like the rest of their career you know so it's Mm -hmm. yeah i find it even sadder how much hate they got on their most recent album too like right before that it's like i really wasn't a fan of the direction they were going for but it's just like again one of those things where it's like people kind of blew it out of proportion i think where it's like oh they're i I don't want to say sell it because they're already like ridiculously popular at that point but People are, oh, they're going more mainstream, I guess, is the right term. And it's just like, it's not like it was horrible or anything like that. But again, it was kind of a bandwagon thing, I think, for people just to kind of hate on it just because it was different. Yeah, and I, then yeah, exactly. After figure, yeah, and then after figuring out what happened to Chester there, and then just like now all of a sudden, like, I don't know if people say they love it, but they definitely don't bash it anymore. They definitely you know I mean? view it through a different lens now because yeah. the lyrics are a lot more like, the, the, the lyrics are just pinpoint now like the lyrics actually hurt at times yeah so it's like you know it doesn't matter that it's sugar-coated in some like pop utopian sound like you know it's still dark it's still completely you know from the heart like you Mm -hmm. only have to listen to the title track to know that it's definitely not a an act of selling out to you know what i mean it's yeah sure they were trying to appeal to a different audience of course like they've been going for so long and um, they're trying to stay relevant. I mean, they're one of the highest selling bands of the 21st century, and mm-hmm. you can't really take that away from them. So it just, yeah, I, I actually quite like the sound. Um, yeah, it, it wouldn't be my favorite album of theirs, but it was definitely one of my favorite albums of this year. Like that, that's that's a thing that had Chester not died, and I said that people would just call me a blind fanboy. Um, yeah, and I, I definitely recognized, you know, that that it's a much different sound, but I actually dig it. I've listened to the album tons of times. Like I know all the tracks off by heart and stuff, and mm-hmm. like I like it. You know, it gets it gets yeah. regular play from me. So, well, that's one thing I don't like. Those like when a band changes their style a little bit, or like you know they do something 
that is like a little bit more straightforward and accessible is like people just automatically assume it's like oh they're going mainstream or they sold out or something like that because yeah. i know uh uh one of my favorite artists right now steven wilson who i listen to like all the time uh he's like again very known for like you know the past 20 25 years making like prog music and then all of a sudden his uh most recent album to the bone that came out this year it's a lot more pop influence and not like you know uh miley cyrus taylor swift pop i mean more like beatles and abba sort of pop yeah and then for some reason whenever like he posts something about like that album on his facebook you can see like his longtime fans just automatically just bashing him and calling him a sellout and stuff like that but it's like honestly i find there's nothing wrong with wanting it's like if you're a musician it's like you want people to come hear your music it's like even if that wasn't the primary objective for him it's just like you want people to come and listen to your music and if you have to make it like I don't know. It kind of makes it sound like I'm saying he wrote it for that reason, but it's not quite it because you can't have other influences. Yeah, but if, yeah. Yeah, if you write something that you like, then it's just like, what's the problem with it, you know, being more accessible? It's like, what's wrong with having more melody in your music? I guess to simplify it. Yeah, like I, I there's a, an urge in people and it's pathological to tear things down based on what they see as a barrier, but it's in fact something that's come out of their own head. Like I, I know this from being a YouTuber, like I, I've seen it, like, you know, it, it has attacked me. Like I, I used to make a really specific type of FIFA video called career mode where it's like I pick a team and I, I play as that team for, you know, a few years. I, I'm their manager, basically. I do their transfers yeah. and all of that. And I was really good at that. I think if I started doing it again, I'd be considered like one of the best. Like that's not an egotistical thing. It's just I actually just have a talent for doing that. And yeah. I stopped doing it because I got sick of it. Like I, I, it was the same thing over and over. And I just couldn't take myself seriously anymore when I was listening to mm -hmm. myself. So um, I started doing a different type of video. And when you do a different type of video, it's going to be packaged differently. Like, it's going to mm -hmm. have, you know, a different thumbnail, a different title. And I got so many people just abandoned my channel. They were like, oh, this is the last straw for me. You could at yeah. least not do clickbaity titles and stuff. And it's like, I haven't even, <laughs> I'm just doing a different type of thing. Like, yeah. I'm really sorry, but I cannot go on. It's either this or nothing. And like, yeah. the amount of people who would say, well, then don't do anything at all. Like, it's so selfish, and it's so just completely self-important and and devoid of critical thought or, like, mm -hmm. analysis of any kind. It's just, oh, I don't want you to do this, therefore you're not allowed, because in my head, you do this. And yeah. if something breaks that, I'm, I just can't have it, so goodbye. Yeah. You know? yeah, well, that always sucks, too, because, like, especially when they're being selfish but they think you're being selfish because yeah, you want they think something that you're, it's like you're yeah, harming them in some way like yeah it's just like well you know i'm here to entertain everybody but at the same time what's the point on doing the exact same thing over and over again like you say yeah exactly it's it's yeah. about like you have to be comfortable in yourself or else there's no point yeah. in doing anything so if you want to try something different like just try it like i'm totally about that like i i really like when bands do different things i'm excited for how it sounds like noel gallagher's latest album is like a it's like a, a psychedelic trip into some spacey western psychedelic opera 
and mm-hmm. like it's awesome I, I absolutely dig it and so many people are just like oh he's trying to do this he's trying to do this he should have stuck with the old and it's just like yeah god just let the man <laughs> you know yeah he, he does not need to prove, to prove anything to you it's been yeah. 23 years of unbelievable music like <laughs> just let him do yeah. something different i know that's one thing i hate too because especially if like i if you're an artist again you want to evolve because like over time you grow as a person so you, obviously your sound will change too but for some reason like people will get upset if you yeah differ from it a little bit but then if the person's doing the same thing for too long they'll eventually get miserable doing it yeah exactly so, yeah, apart yeah. from motorhead or acdc apparently who yeah. seem to just keep going <laughs> on that path and nailing it every time so yeah i guess some people just have like longer attention spans or something yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or they like staying consistent or something like that. I know for me, I couldn't do that, no, especially same. more so recently because I've jumped genre so many times now, like within the last year or so. Yeah, I have a hard time getting into bands. Like, uh, I really didn't want to name drop, but there's like bands, a lot of metalcore bands I find out there, like, you know, Kill Switch Engage or even Disturbed a little bit, where it's just like, it seems like they do the same things like quite frequently yeah it's just yeah i like it when bands like change their formula up a bit it's like you know be uh, for like you know metal standpoint you know maybe try being a little more technical maybe being a little more melodic it's just like it's pretty much just like trial and error and then for some reason a lot of fans don't enjoy it because people are afraid of change or something like that yeah like bring me the horizon are a great example of that because they're this like hugely popular band now like probably one of the biggest like metal bands out there and they have a, a core legion of of hardcore fans that just hate them now and they're like oh yeah this, it's like the the dude ollie can literally not go on singing the way that he was or he oh, will, i can or he will die <laughs> yeah so, it's like i can speak from personal experience that growling the way he does it hurts yeah <laughs> even yeah. if you do it right i imagine it's got to do a lot of wear and tear on your voice over a long period of time his i have, found sorry um have you have you ever watched any of their live videos no not really like i i think there's only i think the one song of theirs i really like is shadow moses oh that's yeah that's a bad yeah song. i mean yeah, I may have checked out some live videos of that, but I think that was about it. The the dude, he basically cannot do anything live anymore. And oh, it's really, really weird, because I know, I don't know a lot about music, as I said, but I know <laughs> that his technique, the reason why he changed to that sound is so that he can sing through his diaphragm, like what Chester yeah. does. Um, mm. But he can't even do that. Like, they're, they're actually terrible to watch live. Like, the band is super oh, really? tight and all, but he yeah. is woeful. Like, and he's quite clearly lip-syncing a lot of the time as well. Like, and oh, then really? They also have this other guy on keyboards who does some of the screaming now, which is fair yeah. enough because the choruses are quite big and there's a lot of sounds and stuff. But, yeah, like yeah. He, he phones it in, like, pretty heavily, and it's kind of oh. sad to, to look at, really. That's probably why they changed up their style then. Like, even if there are stuff within that, like, change of genre that they like, it's like, you can imagine, like, you can't keep on playing music that intense and then try doing, like, all these melodic vocals because it'll just sound a little too strange, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so I can, yeah, I understand that because I know even uh, Trivium kind of did that too. Like, the only thing I didn't like for the longest time is, like, you know, they had a lot of albums with screaming on it and then singer blew out his voice and then they were telling people that uh like they just changed up their style because they wanted to Mm -hmm. but now that he's learned like a better technique and can do it all again 
now nowadays he's saying it's like yeah i couldn't do it then i lost my voice that's why we changed our style so much yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but like he probably told himself at the time that that was the reason you know like it, it can it, it can be like be, a yeah. huge um it can be like a huge dagger to the ego when mm-hmm. you can't do the thing that you used to be able to do but people are relying on you to do it you know what i mean like i i, oh. I uh, obviously i'm a massive oasis fan and i can pinpoint the exact moment in their back catalog when liam lost his voice i know it was in the year 1997 and it was halfway through mm-hmm. their be here now tour and from then yeah. on his voice is in tatters and like it's good now because he hasn't really used it a lot and he's able to sing through his nose whereas before he was completely singing through his throat in every single yeah. song um and like it's just a it's just a huge shame and mm-hmm. what i do like is that he's perfectly honest about it he's like yeah my voice yeah. can't do it it's he says it's his biggest fear on stage as well he's like i'm afraid my voice is gonna go um he has mm-hmm. to have like honey and lemon and all like before him. yeah yeah so it's just i don't know it, it, it like i i bet that that was a a huge deal for him when that started happening in 97 because yeah like, you look at him on stage like he is larger than life and untouchable up there and his voice used to be incredible and then it just turns into a man screaming into a bin <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> uh, i do find that to an extent even if the vocals don't sound that great i do find it kind of more respectable than relying on like lip syncing and stuff like that totally yeah absolutely yeah because i find the only band that i'm okay with using backing tracks is ghost because they have like a lot of big epic almost choiry sounding stuff and it's like yeah their song yeah the songs are like really big sounding so it's like their singer he still sings but they have backing tracks for harmonies and whatnot yeah so it's like, that, that's fair like yeah. if they, you know if a band can't afford to bring a fucking choir on tour with them like they're gonna have to improvise that in some way so like that's you know that's totally mm-hmm. fine yeah, totally. It's not that different to using a DJ, really, like, really similar. Yeah, kind of thing. it's kind of a strange thing. I don't know. I could totally be uh, ignorant to this sort of world, but that's why I have a hard time kind of understanding back in, like, 2011 when people went to go see dubstep artists and whatnot. Yeah, Cause, that like, was, that was I don't know. Again, <laughs> yeah, I can be totally ignorant. Maybe they're doing a lot more work than it looks like, but I don't know. I have a hard time just understanding that, like, people just, like, going to watch a guy just stand there and turn on and levers and whatnot how, how but, do you imagine again, a david getta concert goes like how, how do you picture that you know because every single one of his songs has a feature from someone else right so if he's if yeah. he's doing if he's on tour and he's doing a song like what's happening there really because <laughs> no one is going to be singing it like a, yeah so well, that's what i find uh stranger like uh bands like gorillas too yeah because they have so many guest vocalists and it's just like I've never really watched a full concert of theirs, but it's just like, do they bring like a ton of people out on like tour with them or what do they do? Because I, I, actually, the, that... I read they did some weird thing on their, not their last tour, but the one before it, where they kind of created a storyline whereby mm-hmm. all of the cartoon characters that are actually the band in canon, they are, their band is cartoons. Um, yeah. So they created a story that appeared on a screen before the show started where the, the cartoon characters got sucked into some black hole and they had to yeah. be replaced by their human counterparts who had to save them and bring them back to their cartoon selves throughout the show. Yeah. So in that tour, they did bring a lot of people on tour, but I guess... 
like I don't know they they don't bring like Sean Ryder with them everywhere they go or whatever so mm-hmm. maybe they have some backing thing going on there but I know that they did basically it was like a blur concert for that show you know what I mean like it was people yeah. on stage doing things so mm-hmm. I, don't know, I always wanted to see them do more of the stuff that there's like I think it was like a some kind of MTV award like performance or something like that I could be totally wrong on that but I know like they had like a screen on stage and they had like live musicians playing but they had the animations of like the characters playing yeah I remember it's like yeah I love that I thought that was such a cool idea like if I were to go see them that's what I'd like to go see I bet it's super expensive to bring on tour though oh probably that's probably yeah I'm not sure because especially the production it like and the cost it would just to make that in the first place yeah but it's just like regardless of any situation that they're in it's got to be expensive anyways because of all the people that they'd have to bring it on the road or anything like that yeah yeah like your your tour costs basically you don't want to ever keep those up like i i read something on uh i forget what it was about it was it was that guy who did um oh geez who did (laughs) um the under pressure remake was that vanilla ice uh yes i think so yeah i think Hold it on. was vanilla ice or maybe it was somebody else. oh god damn i can't remember but some one hit wonder from that yeah, era it, it was vanilla ice i just the, looked it up the, so <laughs> I, I think he went on tour and like brought like the whole like all of his friends and like a huge you know production and everything and that's basically yeah. why he now has no money yeah. <laughs> it's because like you, you have to basically especially now you have to make your money touring so you, you just oh, can't yeah. be doing a big show like unless you're slipknot or like iron yeah. maiden because they, they have the name behind them already but well yeah. that's definitely one thing that i would love to try and uh kind of work out for myself because i find these days it's like bands don't even really need record labels anymore and i know you could probably understand where i'm coming from because like you having an audience too it's just like if it grows to a certain point, you can totally just do like everything yourself independently. Yeah. And you don't even need a record label anymore. Cause I know people like when it comes to the music industry, everyone's trying to figure out like what's good and like, or uh, if it's like, if the internet's bad for the music industry, but it's just like, I find to an extent it's like, it's a bit of both really because like you know the only people i find that no record sales has is like it only hurts like the record labels themselves not the artist yeah because it's not like the artist ever made money off of royalties to begin with anyways yeah. so i think i think that's definitely the way the music industry would be going like from here on out it's like a lot more people and bands trying to w- kind of develop themselves independently and then like there's many services out there where it's just like you can sell your music and then you actually make all the profit back yourself. So it's like, really, at the end of the day, internet, it's good for exposure. And you probably would get more money doing things independently if you had an audience than you would, say, on a record label where you get, like, you know, you sell, I don't know, 100,000 copies of, like, your album. And then you maybe get, like, $5 in royalties and then yeah. have to make up the rest of that touring. You know what I mean? I, I, so think, that's, yeah. I, I think the, like, whoever the lead um whoever has the highest percentage of the publishing on a record sale uh, on a record i think if if that record sells for sells for twenty dollars whoever has the highest percentage of publishing gets 18 cents per the dollar or, or 
it gets 18 cents out of that $20. Something ridiculous yeah. like that. Like, none of that money goes to the artist, basically. Which I find is just insane, really. Yeah, especially because they're the ones that put in all the work and do all this while, like, you know, the higher-ups, they kind of... I, I don't know what their job is from their perspective, but I imagine they don't have to... They don't have to go out on the road and, you know, write and record and, you know, try and chemistry... Yeah, I don't even know if that's a word. Make the chemistry work yeah. amongst, like, you know, everybody in a band, make sure everyone's happy and, you know, got to make... Uh, yeah, I just... I, don't think they understand that but at the same time it's like they call it the music business for a reason so yeah definitely they're the big corporate guys trying to again profit the most out of it while everyone else is kind of below them i guess yeah capitalism <laughs> that's what happens <laughs> yeah exactly um, which is a big which i find is a big thing with that whole net neutrality thing in the u.s right now that's basically the exact same thing i find yeah dude like i don't know a lot about that um, yeah. It, yeah, I don't like, know how much you would have heard about it over there. Well, it's it, no, it's it's a big deal here, but yeah, um, I a lot of things that come around now uh, that trend worldwide like that, like people have like a you know an entry level knowledge of it, and I try to avoid talking about it until I know a lot. But I, um, I watched. The, do you know who Ben Shapiro is? No. He he's like a conservative commentator and. Um, I am not a conservative myself, but I like to listen to conservative voices so that I don't find myself living in a bubble. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And Ben Shapiro is like really intelligent. He's really well educated. He's not someone I would ever like to have a debate with because he would absolutely destroy me. Um, but he had a take on net neutrality and I don't know a lot about net neutrality, but I know that everything he said is completely wrong. <laughs> like it's yeah. just one of the most inaccurate takes I've ever seen. And it does like, it does actually seem like it's a bad thing, but I, I think the backlash is going to be so um, so widespread that I just can't see them actually immediately turning it into a, you know, a fascist network of, yeah you know what I mean? So like, I, I think it's, it's probably safe enough for now, but I understand mm -hmm. from watching Philip DeFranco, which is yeah. annoyingly where I have to go and get most of my news nowadays. Um, <laughs> the fight is basically not over yet. So like, we'll see what happens there, but it, I, I do yeah. genuinely feel like it's a loss for like freedom just to not have net neutrality. Well, I find, yeah, just that the, the thing that bugged me the most is like I never get political or anything like that on any social media platform, but I posted about it on Twitter and it's just like that's probably the only time I ever will say anything about it. But I hate the idea that, you know, there's like literally millions of people like if you go on Twitter and you just type in like, you know, hashtag net neutrality and go to latest, there's like, you know, 50 to 100 comments posted about it like every single minute. Yeah. And it's like this has been going on for like weeks now, ever since like they said they were going to vote on it again. So it's like there's millions of people out there that don't want this thing, but yet yeah. at the end of the day, I actually watched the uh, the vote, uh, the live stream for it, and it's just like, oh, we don't care about these millions of people. You know, the three of us want this, so that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and, and the, the, the like, two people that voted no had such impassioned speeches. I know. Like, yeah. That crazy. made me so angry, and then, yeah, Jeep Pie at the end just like, so I take it you're a no? I'm just like... <laughs> God, that fucking what guy. <laughs> that yeah. fucking and guy. Normally, like again, it wouldn't be something I'd be so passionate about because, again, being from Canada, it's like it wouldn't affect what happens here directly. But the yeah. fact that, like, you know, so much of what happens on the internet relies on the states. Yeah. That's so true. it's just like, regardless of what happens, maybe directly it doesn't change things for us, but it's just like 
it'll change like the internet completely for everybody worldwide. Yeah, I, I I certainly hope that it will lead to countries saying we will not have we will not repeal net neutrality in this country. Um, I I would imagine Canada will be one of the first countries to come out and say that too because Canada is very progressive and they like to. Um, I, I like Justin Trudeau is is a very progressive figurehead to have, and I feel mm. like that's the type of thing that would be like really good PR for him if I were looking at it cynically. Like that's what I would say. Yeah. Well, I think he's already come out and said he does support net neutrality. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah I think go. even before the vote, he said that. But, yeah, so I'm hoping, you know, at the end of the day. But Canada also has the reputation of, like, following whatever the U.S. does. So To a, to a degree, though. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about politics whatsoever. So yeah. this is the only thing I know a lot about because, like, so much of what I do relies on this right yeah, now. Yeah, well, that's what happens, yeah. though. Um, it, it, I, I think one of the biggest problems in 2017 is that loads of people are talking about politics, myself included. Like, I find mm-hmm. myself drawn into these political discussions and arguments when, like, the truth is I don't really know a lot. But I have yeah. to go with my gut and say things, and I feel like society would be much better off if we weren't talking about politics, because that would at least give the implication that it's working quietly behind the scenes and not upsetting anyone. You know what I mean? It's, it should be just oh, a yeah. thing that happens and <laughs> that no one talks yeah. about. But. Well, it's like going along with the whole thing of not knowing anything about it. That's something I usually just don't say out loud. It's like, oh, I don't know anything, so I just keep my mouth shut. But like... Most of the time, whenever I hear people talking about it, I just don't give my opinion anyways yeah. for any for any of the small bits that I do know anything about. Because it's just like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you say about politics. Someone's going to get angry at you. Someone's going to call be, you a communist. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Or someone's going to, like, you know, write up to you on how you, they think you're wrong one way or the other. Yeah. Even if, like, what you say, of course, to you makes perfect sense. But it's just like to somebody else. Again, just difference of opinion, but they think of it as just like, just again, just facts almost. And it's just like, yeah, uh, it's an insane world. And I feel like anybody that tries to get into it must be insane. Yeah, I completely <laughs> I just like agree boil, with that. Yeah, I just like to boil it down to that. It's like everyone says that every president's bad or something's wrong with them. And I'm just like, well, regardless of, you know, what their political views are, personally speaking, if you want to get into a job with that much responsibility and pressure, there's got to be something wrong with you to begin with. I like I genuinely believe that you have to have either a burning desire to make the world better or else a burning desire to sort of um, constantly reaffirm your worldview or something like that. Like it's I don't know. I mean, that that's like my small brain looking at it. But I really I, I think about what it would take for me to get into politics. And uh, as as cowardice as it is to say, I don't really think there is a single thing that could happen that would force me to, you know, to politic. <laughs> I just can't yeah. see that happening. So, yeah, well, we've been recording for like over two hours now, dude. Yeah, wow. Yeah. It's getting dark outside. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, I was listening to your, uh, your other podcast today, and you talked about uh, Flux, F.L.U.X. Oh, yeah, yeah, Flux. Yeah, yeah I, I got that out of your recommendation. No way. And I, I got to thank you so much. <laughs> That's awesome. Good Lord. <laughs> it's, it's in effect right now. It's kind of at the halfway point right now. Yeah. And, man. My room it feels so dark and i feel like i can go down and sleep for like another five hours or so <laughs> yeah it's I such an awesome little app especially with your uh your sleep pattern right like i, I oh, doubt God, that that blue same. light was doing you any good so 
No, that was a big problem of mine because, again, I would wake up after sleeping for like two or three hours. And I was like, okay, I'll go online and check out, you know, what's going on YouTube, Facebook, you know, the standard stuff. And then next thing I know, it's like six hours later and it's like, shit, I should have been sleeping. Yeah, (laughs) it's like properly an addiction. Like it feeds into your brain the same way that like, you know, things like sugar do or or like things that give you that dopamine rush. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's like I know I've watched like a small documentary in China. There's actual like rehab facilities for a social media addiction. That's crazy because all social media yeah. is banned there. They only have like. <laughs> oh, is it? Well, mo- like I, I think uh, Twitter and Facebook. Oh. They have like some government-sponsored versions of those sites. Which, yeah. I mean, they do have social media, but it's crazy yeah. to think to me that even their diluted, you know, <laughs> like yeah. communist well, government-sponsored version of social media is that addictive. I say, well, I I think it was China. Hold on, I gotta look this up. Otherwise, I'll look like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Could have social- been Japan. Maybe. Uh rehab uh yeah china's rehab for internet addiction youth jeez it's like yeah i guess that's a thing so man man. (laughs) that is such a dystopian concept right there i could see that being like a common thing around here yeah within like the next 10 to 15 years it definitely wouldn't surprise me but but it'll be one of those things though that society looks at and thinks yeah like, you know what I mean? Like, when someone comes yeah. out and says, oh, I'm sorry, I cheated, I'm a sex addict. It's like, yeah, all right, Yeah. Pal. Well, it's definitely something that people don't consider a big deal because now people just say, it's like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just an everyday part of life now. It's just what we've grown into. But yeah. I, I find something that you guys said in that podcast, like, very true, though, where it's just like, it kind of, it makes people depressed, like, just going down your Facebook timeline and you see, like, this filtered version of people's lives, like, this happy filter yeah. that everybody likes to put out there for everybody. And then, again, you just look at yourself and it's being like, well, why am I not doing fun stuff 24-7, like, all these other people I went to high school with or something like yeah, that? Yeah, dude, I, I can pinpoint an exact time in my life when I when I thought that. And I, I was working this office job and I hated it. And one of the girls I worked with... um she added me on Facebook and I looked at her page and it was like all holidays from when she went to Egypt and Spain and yeah and I was like wondering how did she even get the holiday time to do that when like and and I'm (laughs) sitting there in the same fucking office I have the exact same Mm. amount of allocated holiday days right and the exact same pay as her but I thought that her life was objectively better than mine because she got to do all those things and I didn't yeah like I was too young to recognize that at the time but that is such a ridiculous like I should not have been feeling that about anything but I actually was like shit I need to look at myself you know like this is not good I just don't know where the money comes from either because, again, there's people I see going to, like, the Bahamas and some other places like that. And I'm just like, man, I've only been to the States twice in my life. Aside from that, I've been in Canada forever. So yeah, where does the money come from? It's 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 all about, like, people's perspective on where they allocate their money is, like, so astoundingly different. Like, even, like, my girlfriend will go to like she's not like super frugal or anything but she will go to certain mm-hmm. lengths to avoid spending money and like yeah. i am just not like that like I, <laughs> I will spend an extra like five euro for the sake of convenience or whatever like i i'm so yeah. I, i'll tip my driver like money that i don't have if i like him you know what i mean like i'm just not yeah. like i'm not wired to save money so it's it's (laughs) just i i can't but then i see other people and how they do it and i'm like yeah that makes sense and i could do that but i won't yeah (laughs) i'm hardwired to not well i'm the other way around because like i'm a big saver too like i've literally i started why i went to college 
last year and starting then up until like now so like a year over a year now at this point i've pretty much just saved everything i have so it's like i probably could afford to do these sort of things but i'm just like i don't know i kind of like having this yeah. i like having this money here and it's like i reinvest most of it too so again i guess i just this point i just like oh i'll wait on the vacation until i actually have you know a decent stream of income and i'm not you know working night shifts in a grocery store anymore that's you're like the opposite of me like oh really? was, i i was <laughs> so i i recently moved jobs and my new job pays like not like almost 50 percent more than my last one so um Lucky for the, guy. For like the first time <laughs> in my life, I have disposable income that yeah. you know after my rent and all of that is paid, and mm. um, I had like eighteen euro in my account. Yeah. And, and I had just watched that fucking Snowden movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and I was yeah. in a shop and I saw a Rubik's cube for twelve euro and I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> like, instead of oh, eating man. that night I, I learned how to do a rubik's cube <laughs> now okay do you guys over there uh whenever you pay like for anything like with a card of any sort like when you use a debit machine do you just have an option where you just press your card like against the machine and yeah. then it just pays yeah okay because we got that very recently and i feel like the like the want to just buy things impulsively increases so much more 100 percent. and and what's yeah. worse is that I don't. It, it depends what bank you're with, but the bank that I'm with, the money doesn't mm-hmm. actually come out of your account for a few days. So yeah. you can. It's it's the worst for drinking. Like I, I go out a lot with my friends to the pubs and stuff. And I'm telling yeah. you, when you drink enough pints, it's real easy to forget how many times you've tapped your card against the machine. Yeah. And you come home the next day and you're like, ah, oh, not so bad. And then two days later, you've got four fifty left in your account, and you're like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> now I must ask, how are pubs very common over there? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah, because there's only like one or two in like my whole city. What? And, <laughs> yeah. What city do you like, live in? Uh, it's Kingston. It's just a small city. Wow. Like, again, it's just like three hours away from Toronto. Like, I find it crazy because again, I had friends in college that went uh, lived in Cornwall, which is even smaller. It's like a village pretty much. And then when I met them, they're just like, "Oh, Kingston's like, you know, it's a big city," and I'm just like, "Really?" Because I travel to like you know Toronto all the time, and it's just like that place is huge in comparison. This feels small, but yeah, we only got like two pubs here. Oh my god, I can't. <laughs> I genuinely like this isn't me trying to win cool Irish points or anything like that, but I genuinely <laughs> cannot conceive of like living in a in a place where there's only two. Like it, it, I live in a in a town called Swords. It's it's like a kind yeah. of I guess a suburb of Dublin or something. Um, yeah. and it's a fairly big town. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, there's a lot, there's probably like 20 pubs in swords alone, I would say. Really? And in Dublin city, I don't even know how many pubs, but it would shock me if it wasn't in the, in, uh, I mean, it's definitely over 50. I, I don't, I don't know how many it is, but wow. yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of pubs in Dublin. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. Because I know we got a lot of bars and stuff like that, but no real places with like you know that the pub atmosphere almost. So it's like, are they like sort of those new market like? Sort of, yeah. Again, but I man, I, I love like the whole vibe of a pub, but it's just like yeah, there's like nothing here. It's it's like half pub, half like restaurant. 
It's almost yeah. like the pub thing is an afterthought, and it's kind of just a theme almost. Man, that's because it's <laughs> weird. Because every time I imagine myself living in Canada, there's always really yeah. nice pubs that I can go to to get in out of the cold. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I don't. I don't know about you know other cities, but around here, yeah, there's definitely not. It's actually not as cold here as people say it is. Yeah. Which I, yeah, which I find funny. A I lot actually, of Canadian stereotypes um, aren't true. It's yeah. it's really really cold in Ireland, um, especially yeah. this time of year. And like it might only be minus one Celsius, which is like it doesn't look that bad on the face of it. But um, I work with this Russian uh, girl who mm-hmm. is originally from some place that is constantly covered in snow, and she always shows me pictures on Instagram of what her town is like. And yeah. um, and I'm like, whoa, it looks it looks so cold. And she's like, it's not as cold as it is here because the yeah. um, we're next to the Atlantic Ocean and we have like this this wind chill, like this uh, this really wet breeze that comes in. Whereas in Russia, yeah. it's a dry breeze. And just the difference, like the yeah. breeze here gets into your bones. Like it's so <laughs> damn cold. Like it doesn't matter how many layers you have on. Whereas yeah. I get the impression that in Canada, it's more like you layer up and then it's, it's all right. Like. Oh uh, yeah, and... it's usually not too bad, but if you want to, you know, go with what uh, the internet likes to think of us, it's just like we're just naturally adapted to it, I guess, yeah. or something like that. I'm not really sure. Mind you, I live like pretty uh, so- like southern of Canada. Yeah. So I imagine like you know the higher up you go, the worse it gets. But yeah, right here, it's say it's like it's pretty comparable to like you know where the U.S. is at, where it's like you know plus like you know 20 25 degrees like around the summer and then you know around winter like minus 10 to 20 you know it's pretty average i would say do you get a lot of snow uh yes we do get a lot here uh, right now it's it's like freezing rain right now but like it wasn't there was like no snow on the ground like a week ago and then like two days now we're like snowed over pretty much wow. so <laughs> yeah. so that's kind of common i guess we don't get a lot of snow here but when oh, it really? does snow, the whole country shuts down because we just don't know how to fucking deal with it. So it's it's yeah. like a it's no, like a national crisis when it snows here. Well, it's a, it's a pain here too. Yeah, <laughs> nothing's imagine. worse than having to go somewhere and then it's like, oh yeah, we didn't plow any sidewalks. We plowed every sidewalk except for the one that you need to walk on. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> it usually is the way it goes. Yeah, that does suck. I remember in <laughs> in 2010 we had this huge freeze in Ireland and like there was snow that just disrupted every single business in the country, and um, mm. like I got a few days off work because of the snow and that's something that's just unfathomable. Like in my lifetime I've never seen anything yeah. like that before except for this one time. So um, mm. it's just and and that was like that was snow that covered mostly everything, but the government yeah. like there there's like five snow plows in the whole country. So it's just, wow. <laughs> Yeah, we're just so underprepared because, well, like, it's not part of our climate, you know. Yeah, well, it's like it's even crazy too because uh, I'm actually through my YouTube channel. I met someone who lives in uh, LA, and it's just like hearing about how it's like sunny there all the time, and it's like almost summer weather a lot of the time. I'm just like, man, that's insane. Yeah, like, that, LA is that, unique in the sense that there's no humidity as well. It's just heat, but it's not humid. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it's just a strange thing, but at the same time, it's like, I'd rather, you know, take cold winters than have to deal with, like, you know, hurricanes or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Because <laughs> we don't have to worry about that here ever, so. Or earthquakes, like, ugh. Oh, we get, we get earthquakes. It's it's very rare. Yeah. But we actually, we get a lot of tornado warnings, though. Like, this summer alone, I think we had, like, three. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. 
So I don't know if it was just unique to that year or whatnot, because I really don't pay attention much. But it's, it's probably climate change, <laughs> I'd say. Most likely. Yeah. <laughs> Although climate change is a Chinese hoax, so nothing. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'd, I'd believe it. I listened to enough uh, Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson, so I can believe it. Yeah, but, uh, no, I'm definitely the same. But, yeah, uh, but they're, they're kind of smart guys, after all. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give them that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, should we end it? Uh, yeah, I gotta make myself food. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, I, haven't, but... I haven't eaten all day. Oh god damn, you need to you need to tend to that. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's pretty common for me. Um well, it was awesome to talk to you, dude. Um Yeah, you too, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'd I'd really like to have you back sometime as well. Um Oh yeah, anytime. Just message me. Awesome. Yeah, I'll uh I'll I'll work out some topics and things like that and uh I'll let you know and um to all of the people listening, uh all of your links will be in the description. All of your links being Twitter and YouTube, because those are the only two I know about. So <laughs> I'll post <laughs> those the only ones there. that I feel are sent me uh important i guess yeah yeah so uh yeah, yeah thanks man appreciate it yeah no thanks a lot for coming on it's been it's been really cool so um hopefully we'll do this again sometime oh yeah of course all right peace all right yeah later man So there you have it, folks. It turns out it was noise pollution all along. That has been episode 102. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We're closing out with a song that I actually love because amidst all the chaos and the butchering of classics and all of the talk of just warped and contorted perceptions of great music, I have decided to add on a song that is pretty much perfect to me. This is the best is yet to come from the Metal Gear Solid 1 soundtrack. Uh, It's actually a Gaelic song, um, so all of the words are in Gaelic, which is really cool because when I was younger, I thought that Metal Gear Solid was somehow an Irish game because of that. I mean, the game came out when I was 8, so give me a break. But it's really cool that Hideo Kojima, who is just this mad mental genius, was like, yes, this Gaelic song is perfect, and... um, I actually forget the name of the person who sings it. It's like Aoife Nifarig, I think. But anyway, this song is one of my favorites, probably my top 10 favorite songs of all time. As weird as that is, I know that some to some people it doesn't exactly sound like music, but to me, it is the perfect creation of music, and it's just fantastic in every way. So it's basically the antithesis of Pluff Nub's YouTube channel. Um... But anyway, I really, really enjoyed that conversation. I think it'd be really good to have him back on just to talk about general topics and things like that. Um, but his his uh, insight on music is definitely like illuminating to me because there's so much that I don't understand and it seems to come quite natural to him. So um, that's pretty cool. But anyways, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. If I don't 
upload anything between now and Christmas or whatever. Um, I hope you guys have a good Christmas. There's no point in doing a Christmas special episode because I've done two of them, I think, and there's really nothing else I can say beyond the fact that I like Christmas. I hope you're all having a good Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope you're just having a good default pagan winter festival. No, just kidding. Like, I hope that you're, you know, hanging out with your families, uh, enjoying the time off and, and doing all of that good stuff. So, um, yeah, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy whatever, just enjoy. I've been El Niro. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.